0: Hello and welcome to episode 294 of The Creighton Crowbar. It is the 11th of September, 2019. My name is Chris Thurston and joining me this evening is Alex Wiltshire. Hello. Tom Francis. Hello. And returning to the podcast, Martin Davies. Ooh. Hello and thank you. <laughs> Hello. This is weird for me for a few mm. reasons. One, <laughs> I don't live in this house anymore. No, it's mine now.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you do. Welcome mm-hmm. back, Marsh. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. In a big empty room where we used to do <laughs> the podcast. And the only furniture left is the podcast microphones. <laughs> yeah, I should probably do something
2: about that. But realistically, I'm never going to. It's <laughs> going to be barren for a long time. There are about 3,000 less
0: Warhammer miniatures in this room than last time <laughs> <in the> Right, <surprise. laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk, I, I, last time I think I was on the podcast, I talked about... The peril of moving house when you have so many plastic children, <laughs> and uh, I am still feeling that pain. It's been weeks, but it just happens constantly. Help, uh, Mark! You're back though.
2: I am. Yeah, I went to uh, a Boots the other day, and the lady in it was so unwilling to serve me. It was uh, there's none of that "How you doing? Have a nice day" stuff. It was just your your item pushed slowly across the desk by somebody giving you a stare that instantly reduces your core temperature by about twenty degrees. And uh, it felt good. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home.
3: <laughs> I love in the States, sometimes you have like a very straightforward transaction and they say back to you, perfect. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. <laughs> I don't know if ever had a perfect interaction, <laughs> but I'm willing to go with it if you are. <laughs> perfect Starbucks.
0: <laughs> good. Well, we should do the podcast, I suppose, that we've become accustomed to doing.
4: Does Does, does he know how to do one still? Let's find out. Yeah. Okay. Hmm.
2: No, I don't really. I've actually uh well I've been, I'm so unpracticed at uh, talking about games that so I actually made notes uh and the first item in the note is, yeah. you're a box. <laughs> Can you guess what game I'm talking about? You're a box. Uh yeah. I did tell you before the podcast, so I mean you should remember. <laughs> I wasn't just You're not you're not a box though. It is good to be back.
4: You're not a box.
2: <laughs> no, you're a box.
4: No, you're not a box. <laughs> you do the boxes.
2: Oh, you see, Wil- in, we're talking about Wilmot's, Wilmot's warehouse. warehouse. You're a warehouse man. His name it, is Wilmot. You're very clearly you a Wilmot. You are essentially a box, though, with a face. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't everything in <laughs> Wilmot's warehouse?
3: Yeah. I should say quadrilateral cowboy. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's the one. But it's very good, and um, you probably already know about it from uh, Philip Awards' excellent trailer for yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. It's a genuinely very good trailer.
4: Yeah, it is a good trailer. I know it's really yeah. annoying we are saying I'm
2: that. not going to be able to explain it as well as she does in, <laughs> in two minutes. It's about the perfect, most perfect encapsulation of that game and possibly also Pip that <laughs> you can see in,
0: in two minutes. That, I mean, it's a, I think it's the first game trailer. Pip's like first two kind of commercial game credits have arrived within weeks of each other. Yeah. Because the first was Dicey Dungeons mm. and the second is mm. that trailer, I suppose. And it's actually she's really good at both of the things that she's done for games. Yeah. <laughs> One was editing the script for Dicey Dungeons and the other was Was that, yeah? Uh, But it is good. They 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 invested and they got big pip energy. Yeah, they certainly (laughs) did.
2: So you're a box
0: with a face. You're
4: Wilmore. How can a box arrange the boxes? If the boxes were able to arrange boxes,
2: you wouldn't you had to do you wouldn't have to do anything. You're visually depicted as a box with a face. (laughs) However, you work in a warehouse and your only goal is to organise all the stock in the warehouse and so stock comes in and you move it wherever you want they're also also boxes and um then periodically you're asked to collect the things that you've carefully aligned around the warehouse and take certain items to fulfill certain orders at a kind of dispatch window at the top and that's that's really the entire game and if you know like looking at it you might think oh this is this is like a, a trivial sort of go to my happy place meditative sort of game but it's—I mean, for one thing, I find it really fucking stressful. I found it really, really stressful. <laughs> but but also, it, it's doing really interesting things with um sort of mnemonics, like the way that you mnemonically categorize things and then re-categorize them based on. New items coming in that challenge your definitions of how you've grouped things previously. All the boxes that come in, they have logos or symbols on them of varying levels of abstraction. Mm. So it's sort of up to you to interpret what the items are. And then you have to place them somewhere where you will remember to find them later. And this means that you end up doing things like, Oh, well, I mean, obviously, first of all, I'm, I'm going to put all the flowers together. And then I guess these things that look a bit like, like a bee sting and I think it looks like a beetle, they'll go near it because that's sort of like garden stuff. And then I had a area which was like sort of boxes relating to fire, like matchsticks and, uh, that was kind of encroaching on the space of the of the garden stuff so i used a barbecue to kind of broach the two things semiotically <laughs> nice nice <laughs> And then, uh, then you know, after I got the barbecue, like uh, I was thinking, well, I, I got a compass, and I was like, well, maybe I can use the compass to branch out from the barbecue into like a camping themed area. That was my travel area. Well, I know exactly. <laughs> and then it goes into travel because then there's, <laughs> there's then there's sort of things that look a bit like sites that you might see when you're abroad, like a, 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 one of those sort of uh, Japanese themed gatehouses. I'm not quite sure what they are. So that's that's down there as well. And then but what do you do with the bird beak? That's just like a, a, an eagle's beak. Does that go in the garden stuff because it's related to a bird or does it go near the mouths because it's a mouth? <laughs> does it go near my collection say, of mouth. If you have a mouth's category. Well, <laughs> there. there is but yeah, but then obviously the mouth's category has got to go near the toothpaste. And then then maybe you're into like a body thing so the 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 bones that you do they go near the did they go there and then what happens with the scroll is the scroll ancient civilizations or is that stationary then, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway but it's it's it, it, so you're doing this stuff where you're constantly organizing things and then you're reorganizing things and then there's time pressure involved so that when new deliveries come in like you've got this kind of big bundle of blocks that are kind of disorganized and you need to rapidly put them places where you're going to find them because within a short amount of time orders are going to start coming in then you need to fill those orders in a certain amount of time and i find all that stuff kind of awful actually <laughs> because what i really want from the game is just to build a single perfect line of blocks <laughs> that moves me from one association perfectly to the next Forever. And if I could link the both ends, <laughs> I actually get a little bit sweaty thinking about like, how, <laughs> how that would be.
0: I, feel like I
4: found the cycle, <laughs> the whole circle exactly. of, <laughs> of existence. <laughs> yeah
0: I think that's something, you're entering some kind of like elder sign territory there, I think. Yeah. Where you... Yeah,
2: cabal. It's, this is
0: either how you banish or summon some kind of like azototh or... Like, <laughs>
2: yeah. really, you know. Well, some Ricky Haggarts, who yeah. made the game, yeah. so he yeah. Yeah. The pops out
0: of your computer. It's how you summon a Dixon's. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or an Argus, Or an Argus, Yeah Yeah, yeah. Imagine the perfect Sort of um, Semiotic Argos catalogue Where things just flew Based on your assumptions Of where they should be (laughs) Microwave looks like a television But it's hot So it's between televisions And radiators
2: Where do I get the eagle's beak What number For the eagle's beak
0: (laughs) What do you think of people Who sort by colour I mean that's the strategy
2: No no That makes I mean that makes sense But I mean You're going to run into problems there When you're asked for a thing Are you showing a picture Of that thing uh, you you yes, you, you get do, a yeah, picture, a Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no real. So you of... wouldn't forget that
3: oh, a beak is blue or
2: whatever. No, because I mean, it's only a beak by the by the dint of your uh, interpretation uh, right. of it. it's bit. actually all wordless. Yeah, I mean, there are instructions in the game, um, but uh, it's. So you don't get names for the items. No. Huh. No, it's all up to you. So you could be wrong about what it is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, it only means that to me, my own special
4: (laughs) meaning. It's cool though. I get the graphics of my Dick Hogg, aren't they? Who's worked with Ricky loads and loads. Yeah, yeah. But they're all really distinct and
2: all Maybe I haven't seen all of them yet. No, they, no, they, <laughs> they're maybe great. I was just, <laughs> I was just trying to remember which way round their, their names go. Is it Dick Hogg and Ricky Haggard or is yes. it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause you know, that's also a kind of semiotic memorization <laughs> challenge for me. Um, well, it's Richard Hogg as well. So it's R-H-R-H. Right? Yes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the whole time pressure stuff. I d i don't really i don't find that uh that seems to me like the antithesis of what I want to get from the game. I completely understand that it's that is sort of the game and there's also a like um a tetrisy element where you have to rotate the you can pick up like a certain number of blocks and they'll just kind of pop up in whatever shape they're currently in and then you might not be able to move them through the stacks of other boxes that you've placed so you you know there's a sort of uh mechanical problem that you have to sort of un tetris yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, that's fine. I don't really, but that's, that's not really what I'm excited about. I'm excited about. So there's a point in the game where, uh, after the time pressure stuff happens, you can just sort of relax and take stock. It's while you're taking stock, obviously.
0: Mm. Haha. Ooh. Um, <sighs> I, I'm leaving again. <laughs>
2: no, I mean, yeah, that, that's a valid reaction. <laughs> also, also the game is also sort of like a, a, a metaphor in which its own referent is actually its literal self. How so? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, like the idea of like, uh, you, so the, it's basically the same process that you go through assembling a mind palace, mm. except you're not assembling a mind palace because a mind palace necessarily has some kind of external reference. You're trying to organize these imaginary things so that you can better remember something outside. Yeah. But here you're just organizing a virtual space to better remember how you organize that virtual space. <laughs> And in the same way that, you know, taking mm. stock is, I mean, literally, you literally are. I mean, that's what it right, is. That's yeah. why you get that <laughs> phrase, you know, it's. Yeah, you're right. And there's something really satisfying and interesting and sort of another completely closed loop about that
0: game. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Right. Like solving it is, is, is just solving it. There's no solution.
2: No indeed. Yeah, yeah, but it says And the
4: puzzle is something that you made unwittingly or not in
2: the past. Exactly, yeah. Every challenge you face are mostly to do with the sort of terms that you've decided You to... idiot, past <laughs> yeah. Martin. Yeah. Why did you put the baby's bottles here? <laughs> yeah. They shouldn't go next to the umbrellas. <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, there's also like um there's a weird I mean basically i think we can all conclude that amazon warehouse people just have the best fucking time in the world so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just having I, mean, that, I hear that's true yeah. yeah yeah and there's a sort of slightly satirical element to it like the uh you get orders from your boss who is called cj which is a really i don't know cj ma- yeah maybe only alex oh. or tom are old enough to remember the rise and fall of reginald perrin oh, right, yeah. oh right
4: oh right.
2: <laughs> i bet is, that's a reference mm. i bet you're right this is sort of like an 80s I think TV series uh in which a man has a really insufferable boss and ends up committing trying to commit suicide and then reinventing himself I'm for, sure I watched laughs. I'm sure I watched repeats sort of 15 20
3: maybe 40 years later Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Couldn't it could have been that yeah. long ago <laughs> Yeah and so I, I think there's there's uh, and you know periodically you'll be rewarded with a motivational poster which will say things like lift with the knees not with your back and um, <laughs> that's basically the kind of reward system in the game Yeah i don't really know what it's saying about work and labor conditions but you know maybe maybe there's something there when my wife came in and saw me playing it i I know that
4: she'd love it as well and i haven't actually sort of made her made her sit down and play it but she she said is it right that you're having that you're meant to have fun with a warehouse game you know mm -hmm."
3: but that's like that is definitely there Mm. like it is acknowledging it it's good I did work at a warehouse once, and I was trained to live,
2: lift with my knees, not my back. very realistic. <laughs> was that advice your reward for doing some particularly excellent categorization?
3: No, I think it was up front. I think I had to tell us that before we were allowed to work.
4: So you had nothing, no, nothing to look forward to through all the work?
3: <laughs> Just more education like that. Well, I was stacking textbooks, so there's actually a lot of treasures of knowledge within the things oh, I was oh, stacking.
0: Yeah. Uh, how heavy can a beak be, though? <laughs>
2: As heavy as any other boxed item, apparently. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's no real mass or anything. You against. can
4: only pick up about nine beaks or something like that. <laughs> well, isn't
2: uh, it? Yeah, I think six boxes begin with. But then over okay, time, yeah. you, uh, okay. you. So the better that you uh, fulfill these orders, the quicker you fulfill these orders. The more stars you get, the more stars mean you can unlock certain perks which allow you to do things better. Uh, I'm not really into that reward cycle. I just I feel like I know now that I know those rewards are there. I'm just like, yeah, fucking give me them. You know, I don't... <laughs> you know, I, I'd be better at my job. I'd be better at doing the thing that I enjoy, which is organizing things based on my own fucking mental system. Imagine... The, than-
4: the thing is... I reckon that if us three went into your warehouse, we'd
0: see the rambling
4: <laughs> <laughs> organisation of a madman. Red what string
3: connecting the beaks to the bodies. Yeah. Yeah.
0: i was just expecting a lot of blocks with no particular order to shape, no huge cock. <laughs> <laughs> My mind palace. <laughs> yeah, bird beak at the glands. That's, uh, that's what it, it all connects. connects. The eagle's beak, they call it. <laughs> Yeah,
3: okay. <laughs> is there no like sandbox mode where it's sort of time unlimited or
2: mm, not? Kind of, as far as I've seen,
0: kind of sounds like it is the sandbox mode, right? Like it's. But if you want,
3: with like no pressure, yeah, no pressure.
2: There doesn't seem to be. There seem there's only two difficulty settings so far. Maybe you unlock <laughs> uh, another one, which is just pure sandbox.
3: I wonder what it'd be like if they just, you know, the sandbox mode was. They keep giving you things to store, but they never ask for them back. So you just like you still have the like impulse to organize them in some kind of way. But if you don't, then it's fine.
2: Yeah, I totally don't want failure. I mean, obviously you get fewer stars, but I mean, I guess the game continues, and you can just presumably ignore the time pressure entirely if you um, don't want to. So throw the warehouse
4: rats. doesn't go out of business, and various boxes spoil, and then rats move
2: in. And <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I suspect the rat thing is is a stretch, but I keep there that maybe next to the. Peaks, for sure. <laughs> maybe there's some sort of punishment for it. There does seem to be some sort of calendar that you're working through. So maybe I don't know what I don't know what that overarching thing points towards.
3: There should be like a random event where someone has snuck into your warehouse and moved something, and you have got to figure out which thing they moved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it'd yeah. be interesting if there was a mode. Because I was just thinking, obviously, it's not a game that would be particularly accessible to anyone who had issues with uh, vision. But obviously, most games aren't. But it'd be interesting to have a version of this roller boxes that looked exactly the same, but every time you touched them, they made a noise. <laughs> yeah, like so, they're all just you know. Would they make the noise of the thing of that
2: you'd most likely assume? No, no it would be something. really
0: abstract noise, right. like, like, Maybe even a very like vocalisation, like mm. ah, and then you'd have to figure out like how to categorise them. That'd be a really interesting, secondary kind of challenge. That
2: is a strange noise for a welly. <laughs>
0: <Yeah, exactly>. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but it'd be great if it was both as well. So you could categorise by noise, like cool. well, this is a welly and it shouldn't go <laughs> with eagle speaks, but they're both screams. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> in fact, there's, there are some interesting graphical things it does. I, I don't know if there's an accessibility mode, but as you move further away from things in your warehouse, oh, yeah. there's like a cone of vision that you have, and mm. um, at the kind of periphery of your cone of vision, which is you know, so within that cone of vision, everything is the fully full color, and you can see the entire symbols. Then it becomes line art, and then it becomes just the box with no no internal kind of image. Mm. So, I mean, it's possible if they've already generated the lineup for it that there is some kind of yeah, uh, right. uh, non-colour
3: mode. Mm. But I'm surprised that they did that because I remember noticing that in the trailer and thinking it was weird. Like, was it too easy without that or? I guess, yeah. It seems like it, you'd really want the best overview you could get to kind of keep everything straight in your head.
2: Yeah, it's, it's forcing you to remember it's a challenge, yeah, so you that's need, the challenge. You thing. need to remember, yeah. Mm.
0: It's an interesting idea because also like you to delineate between whether you're remembering the shapes or you're remembering the colours because hmm. they're probably, probably more of a colour memory so it's like blues are over here and then you have to oh, like yeah, actually that, know a bit about
3: that colour system you mentioned Alex would be at a disadvantage if because yeah. you as a shorter range at which you can see the colours definitely
2: yeah I wonder if there's enough uh or whether there's too many colour combinations for you to build up a perfect yeah, colour wheel yeah like the blue and you yellow know. like an yeah. equal amount or like <laughs>
4: yeah. oh do I put it on the green section <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah
4: it's interesting what you were saying about... Because uh, I was going to... Because there was a little segue into the my, my game experience. Go for it, yeah. Uh, like this thing with you don't... You just want all of the things to help you do the job better. And I made a terrible mistake. Uh I've been playing... I went back to Guild Wars 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because I'm doing a writing about it. Um, and partly because... I really like game of the Good Wars too. I, just, yeah. oh, I just fucking one of the love
0: it. Highest review scores I've ever given. Really? Yeah. yeah,
4: and it just feels. I mean, I'm. St- I, I've so I played it when it came out. I probably played it for about six months, and then I didn't like the class I had. I had a necromancer class, and I've always liked necromancy classes because you can mm-hmm. make pets. Yeah. I like making pets, oh, but I never I understood how the necromancer works in this game. It just never gelled. It just, I just eventually just lost interest.
3: I was a uh, necromancer in Guild Wars 1. Okay. I don't think I was in 2. Was it, uh, it was added later, was it? I think, I think it think might have been. it was a launch. Been... Oh, was it? Maybe.
4: I'm pretty sure. I mean, I only played it at launch and I, that's, that's definitely my character. Unless I'm, Probably if I'm then, calling, yeah. like I had like, gribbly, right. gribbly pets, but I, they were just, uh, they just didn't do any. Anyway, I, I dropped it and, but what I really loved about it was exploration. I, I'm kind of a solo player and I like MMOs, but I like just going explore and this game was like, go and explore and then we're going to reward, reward you for it and there's just going to be amazing sights all over the place and I loved it but I dropped it and, and uh Turns out that game came out a fucking long time ago. But I managed to log in. All my details still exist and the characters. Like, that's awesome. Including a level two character that I just started on on a whim, clearly. Little gnome character. And I thought, I'll be that then. And it's a hunter. And basically the hunter is the other pet-owning kind Mm -hmm. of class I like to have. And so, right, let's do that, I thought. And I started playing. And it's still... Lovely feel, and like the world is still interesting and weird, and kind of. I just really enjoyed it, and just the sense—it's really good at getting a sense of kind of crunch to combat and things like like few MMOs really get. And I just that was really nice, and I was enjoy going up. I sped up to level fifteen, and then I had been ignoring kind of like all the little notifications at the top of the screen, and one of them it said fifteen on my messages thing, and so I finally last night I opened it up and it's basically a bunch of messages saying happy birthday and (laughs) i had six happy birthday messages because presumably it's been six years since i played it which is terrifying and awful and like christ Mm. how does that happen Mm -hmm. so i started opening these birthday messages and all these kind of item gifts kind of popping out and um And I was like, oh, this is, this is good. Like all sorts of things. And most of them are like, um, transmogrification kind of recipes and that sort of thing, which kind of like, oh, whatever. But some of them are experience and I didn't, and like nice purple like icon and it says a gift of experience. And I thought, well, that's good because what I'd really like to do is to get to level 80 pretty fast because <laughs> because I want to I want the mounts because the mounts are fucking cool in that game and you um, be level 80 yeah, in the mounts yeah, yeah it basically it zero. Zero. it's, it's end game stuff it's end game stuff but then if you've been playing it for six years that probably isn't a problem <laughs> but um so I thought okay fine and I I assumed I didn't read it I didn't read I didn't read the fucking tool tip for these things but I assumed it's just going to be like a chunk of experience like you just see the bar going up halfway to the next one no this fucking thing put me to level 50 immediately. <laughs> Bam. Now I'm level 50. And I read read it back again. And I had some others. And like, oh, this one will take me level to 20. This one will take level 30. This one will take level 60. <laughs> Luckily, I only went for the 50 one. You took the 50 pill right away. I took the 50 pill. And, I, and initially I thought, huh. And I thought, oh, Good. Because that means I can do all the things that has been kind of like hinting at me, and I was sort of spent like, what was I level hmm. fourteen? So I had thirty six levels of of like rewards to go through, and like stuff to do on my character, and like things to set and points to spend. And I thought this is great, so I did that, and then I was felled with this sense of utter <laughs> empty <laughs> desolation. <laughs> Where I was suddenly in control of a character whose abilities I had no investment, I don't even know who or I am understanding anymore. Of. <laughs> and I just felt, and then I was still in the like. And this is the, like Guild Wars Two. I, I suppose this is true for any MMO, but it's a game where you, you know, I, I can't get around the world still because I've only been in one of the fucking lands areas. So I can't go anywhere. I've still got to play the game in order to kind of expl- get to places in the game. I suppose you could go to the like the the city which I can can get to and I think mm. it's got like warp points to other places there. Um and it does level you down. Like it 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 matches your level to your area. So while your equipment is going to make you very effective in your you know in in a lower area, lower level area, you're kind of you still have a game there, but like oh. And I, and actually the, 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 um, XP you get is still actually, it doesn't like now do nothing. It still fills up properly, like it, at the same rate. As yeah. You can play anywhere pretty much. I could still play, but suddenly like the sense of being there being any reason to play has gone completely <laughs> gone. And I don't want to go back. Hmm. And that's the weirdest fucking feeling. I realized that. I wanted a character that I could actually, I'd actually gone up there myself with. Like, I have got another 40 levels from where I am to get to the top level, but it feels like I'm on a rented character.
3: It's almost as if it's the journey and not the destination. Isn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of amazing that, because I think this is kind of pertinent in the era of WoW Classic being... Yeah, it really is interesting. uh, Annihilating every game dev team that I know about, basically, at the moment. Uh, Um, None of us are playing it, right? No. 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 But like a, a colleague was saying today, how much he was enjoying um, planning, planning how he's going to spend the one talent point he would get me leveled up <laughs> yeah, and, and spending a whole evening's play to level up, even in the teens in world of Warcraft. And oh, I'm going to work towards this. I'm going to put one talent point here and it's going to give me 1% extra crit chance <laughs> yeah, with yeah, yeah. axes God. or something but I and remember that I yeah. remember
4: that when the first work, like years ago and thinking I I'm being, really excited about that crit chance because every <laughs> 100
3: times I hit yeah. something I will get one extra crit I remember being utterly depressed by that. It's <laughs> yes. yeah. part of what turned me off World of Warcraft. I always get to, like, around the time that you start to get talents, and then I look at the talents and think, oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> why am really supposed to be excited about that? Right, but then since then, you
0: know, actual modern WoW is, is very much a game of lots of rewards all the time, lots yeah, of different yeah. parallel progression paths and lots to do, and, you know, you're not going to, you know, the 30-second loops, and you'll never be bored, and you'll always be seeing something new. And there is something to be said, I think, for how much people enjoy the opposite of that. How much yeah. people would like to just work towards a single goal? Mm. It doesn't scale. It, you know, you don't feel 10 times the satisfaction when the, you get 10 times more decisions to make when mm. you level up and you don't feel 10 times more ownership. If you're making 10 times more decisions, it's just sort of, yeah, it is annoyingly kind of just about working for something pointless and feeling like you earned it. And if you don't feel like you earned it, then yeah. what was the point?
4: Yeah. It's really, it's really <laughs> odd. It's really, really odd. Cause I thought actually that I would just go, okay, well I'll just keep, keep exploring then. But actually, you, I do feel need to feel that on the way to the thing that I'm going to explore to, and actually, the game. I also, also realized realise that those exploration points, you know, the the kind of way that you're going towards little squarery things that are kind of points of interest and the little mappy mm-hmm. things which you have to climb up to and and so on, waypoints and things. Um, you get rewarded with XP, and actually, while I was thinking, oh, I'm it's the. It's like it's getting the exploration and seeing the site. It was the little the little dose of XP, (laughs) but now that I've had sort of thirty six levels of XP, just sort of (laughs) shat into my mouth. I'm just thinking, (laughs) I don't want any more. I just don't want any (laughs) more XP. Well, not if you put it like that. (laughs) Baby birded by God.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah but well, you did it yourself though that's the thing yeah. like i mean that maybe, does that make it a lot worse like if they had automatically leveled you up how would you have felt like if you logged back in it's like you've been gone a long time so we've leveled you up so you can play the new stuff yeah that's interesting isn't it is it because you you somehow maybe this is turning into more of counseling but is it, is it
4: because <laughs> i do you, blame myself for a yeah. lot of things <laughs>
0: yeah it's because you didn't read the tooltip
3: do you think uh- sorry no go, on, go on. Uh, do you think if there was no xp reward for exploration that you would now be enjoying it more no than you are
0: no because i think
4: the xp the dose was actually what was what was powering
3: right because there's, there's a theory the that like place. if there's an activity that uh, someone would would normally be getting an intrinsic reward for and you give them an extrinsic reward for it as soon yeah. as you take away the extrinsic reward they both don't get that and they don't
0: get the intrinsic one either
4: yeah that's interesting yeah
0: yeah, it's why you but, should almost never get paid for something you love, <laughs> and then, get, stop paid. <laughs> then stop getting paid. Then, go, well, well, more seriously, why well, you shouldn't go back to try and do something as a hobby after you've been paid to do it? Because yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. 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 <laughs> are the are quests that you're doing the same quests that you were playing six years ago, or have they been revamped? I'm in a really different. Addressed? I'm in a different
4: area, so uh, right. you know, mm. I don't think they've updated it. Because also
0: Guild Wars is a game more of, like... Well, actually, so it does have quests early on, and then eventually it kind of gives way to, like, these sort of event loops. Right. So a Zone has, like, a series of events, and sometimes they're conditional on each other, where players, either solo or collectively, do a world thing, and then that leads to the next world thing. So, like, I don't know, a beachhead invasion that will get to a certain point and then organically reset.
4: Yeah, I I vaguely it's really Yeah, it's really really elegant. And you have story. Like, the only quests... I like uh, these story things, um, which are like voiced semi cutscene kind of things mm. and they, they, you get them when you f- get to level like three or something, mm-hmm. but then the next bit of story doesn't pop in until I don't know, level 15 or something. I can't remember, but it's like, um, so I got all this dose of story, but of course the story missions are basically go to this instance, like, it's not very good. You, know. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't really, the story. you don't listen to any of the cutscenes, so you don't know why anything's happening, and apparently oh, I'm yeah. having a fight with a robot. And is that it's just because you
2: feel under time pressure to reach the story content, which is appropriate for your level? You just, you just don't Oh care. no, this is
4: how it was when, oh, right. it's just, well it's just a fucking MMO story, isn't it? Like, yeah, so I guess. Whatever. Yeah. Like it, the, 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 the good thing about it is, and then the rest of it is, um, you know, you're, you're just out in the world exploring, yeah. and then that, you're going to places, and, Doing little, um, mm, mm. you know, you're told there's a little heart symbol that pops up, and then, you know, you have to do it, like, revive a certain number of your compatriots and kill such and such and collect these, and that will fill your little heart thing. Mm. And then you've done it. That, that's something you find rather than a given in the world. Mm. It's quite it's elegant, and you don't have to do that. You can just scooch around. And just there's like no point this. in doing anything anymore,
0: though, Alex. <laughs> it's
4: gone. I what did it. you name your pet? Uh, I was called Bermondsey okay yeah i didn't i didn't name my pet it what? was a, it was a tiger i don't even know if i could it's like cause you don't care about him
2: anymore there's nothing well, to it was, you no,
4: actually you know tell you why it was because it came with the character i don't know what you know, i may have selected it six years ago but it came with the character so i don't know i don't have any connection to it i did get a spider last night but that was after i got to level 50 and felt mm. This sort of sense of utter <laughs> she called, fuck this emptiness. <laughs> so I, I just I don't even
2: like spiders. <laughs> <laughs> A spider called on we. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: uh, what I want to know is what are you holding in your left and right hands? Uh, twin axes. Oh, yeah. cool. Does the off-hand axe do something different to the on-hand axe? Uh, yes,
4: but nice. they are like abilities, <laughs> and one of them was shooting something, <laughs> which I thought it's not very axe-like, but I'll go with it. Not throwing. Oh, I could do a big whirly. I could do this sort of like oh, whirling yeah. motion things, just hitting everything around that's it,
2: what hunters are all about can you <laughs> yeah, know anything not, I'm, I'm not, not very hunting I know the principles of I thought that as a hunting hunter wildlife. I'd be
4: all over the bow but <laughs> so I was stuck to the bow to start with and then I thought no I'm going to go broadsword I'm going to smack him up
3: I recently um, learned that video games have been holding out on us on the axe throwing front <laughs> because <laughs> I went axe throwing and uh i went axe throwing it's cool but uh, like for amateurs you obviously need to be at a very fixed range and practice that particular range for a long time so if an enemy's coming at you you're gonna have to time it pretty precisely <laughs> so do you <laughs> have to kind of go few, oh
4: um do you get a feel for when the blade's gonna
3: hit that they it's like eight to twelve feet i think there's the distance you can choose between in that range and then it's it's calculated so it'll be roughly one spin and you know if you're getting it wrong then you move back a bit or forwards a bit you don't really change like well you could change how you release it but I didn't I thought like let's just keep doing the same thing with my arms and move backwards and forwards depending on uh on how that should work But then halfway through the session, they just just bring out a second axe. (laughs) And it's like, now throw two at once. Like, what? You can throw two axes at once? (laughs) That's just the thing you can do, just throw two axes at once. I haven't done that in a video game. I've done it in real life now.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's the one time. The one, one time. Unfortunately, your target does have to be... Does that mean that all the kind of, I don't know, Norse berserkers and stuff, like, they they can only do one range?
3: (laughs) My, after experimenting with this, uh, my feeling was
0: that for melee I would like two axes, but for range I'll stick with one, because it's fucking difficult to get two of them to, like, That's <laughs> actually a kind it's of a rad idea. Way. If you put it in a game, you could have, it's a limited range, because it's a throwing weapon, but also, like, at 8 to 12 feet, it does slashing damage, and at like 0 to, to 8 <laughs> yeah. feet, it does, it does crushing damage. One bonk damage. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bonk damage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, also, although even better, like a Deus Ex game where it's a lethal weapon eight to twelve feet and a non-lethal <laughs> at like one to eight feet, and then after <laughs> and so that if point, the guard slightly wanders away, like oh no shit, then it hit, like blade
3: first. And actually, at like like two to six feet, it should be like one non-lethal damage, and then at like seven feet, just before the blade hits, it would be uh, a larger amount of non-lethal damage as the back of the axe hits them. <laughs>
0: yeah, they didn't axe for this.
4: Right. Oh, that was way worse than Bayern's one.
0: <laughs> 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 I liked uh, your noise like a disappointed bomb. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Guild Wars.
4: What you done? Did play? Did you done play anything amongst all the acts flying?
3: Yep. Uh There's a new Slayer class. Dun 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 end of tom's life <laughs> <laughs> it's only in beta but um yeah they, they've long said they would do this after release like there'd be another class and it would be free and it is uh it's only in beta at the moment um and i mentioned it on the pod before and i think i said that i was sort of like wow not envying their task trying to come up with something different to all the amazing ideas the community have come up with uh but still you know valid and viable well, <laughs> uh, what they've actually done is come up with a class that is more or less an amalgam of three community classes that already exist. <laughs> it's, it's so similar to the community classes that, like, if you tried to make a sort of uh, just a pastiche of community classes, this would be what you make, basically. Um, but that's not to say that they actually, like, you know, uh, I, I don't have any theories as to which way the inspiration went there. Um, but it's a class based on stances. Um, which is a thing I played in two different, uh, fan-made classes. So Slayers 5 supports modding and the mods are on Steam Workshop and, uh, most of the, the really good mods that I played are all just someone's made a new class and, um, this, uh, the official new one is called the Watcher and, uh, they are a sort of monk type class who, um, two of your starting cards put you in different stances. You start in no stance, um, but when you play one of them, you go into Roth stance, which means you deal double damage and you also take double damage. And then you can also go into Calm stance, uh, which means that uh, nothing actually is different while you're in Calm stance. But when you leave it, you get two energy back. And the card that puts you in Calm stance to, uh costs two energy. So it's really just like sort of deferring that. And the interesting thing about it, I think I think it's a better take on stances than either of the two community characters that I played that use this idea um in that it doesn't have a defensive class as far as I've seen i've
1: hmm.
3: um you do like as you get rarer cards and unlock new new sets of cards there are some other stances you can get into that are rarer to to achieve um but as far as I've seen there's no class that just boosts your defense or you know increases your dexterity or um anything like that. I think that's a good idea because one of the community characters I played with the stance thing, the defensive stance was kind of just too good and you could keep buffing it and making it so that when people attacked you, they took damage and, uh, uh all your, um, basically Slayer Spire is never that good if you can just always block all the damage that's incoming because then, um, you can always get through a fight. And so this one is, is all about timing and just figuring out like which turn to strike on because obviously once you activate this wrath stance you are going to do loads of damage but if you're still in wrath stance at the end of the turn you're going to take double damage and that's in slay this fire that's usually not viable like the, the enemies that are going to be an actual problem to you are already doing enough damage that it's very very difficult to be able to block it all and if you double that it's almost game over also this character has less maximum health than any of the others um And so they're very fragile and if you fuck up, if you just have one bad turn, you end up in Wrath with no way of getting out of Wrath's stance, Um, Mm. then you're probably just going to die then and there. Um, It very much feels like an advanced character, like one that's designed for people who are kind of already mastered the other three and Mm. um, want something extra to think about. It's one where you can absolutely fuck up the order in which you play cards. If you just play this one too soon and then you realize oh no shit, I should have been in this stance before I played that, and then I could have got out of it, and then I would have got my energy back and then this thing would have happened and that thing would have happened. Um and then the other mechanic that's that it goes big on is retain, which is also the centerpiece of a community character that I played. <laughs> um uh, I think the one so that uh one of the stance characters I played that made by the community was the uh construct, I think. Um and then the one that's based on retain, I believe is called the Disciple. Um, and uh, basically that community character is all about just uh, cards that would stay in your hand. Uh Basically retain means at the end of your turn, it stays in your hand. And usually you discard all your cards that you haven't already played and you get a new hand, retain one, stay in your hand, and then you get five more in addition to those. So you mm-hmm. get up with just more cards. Um, and the community character, uh the Disciple had a lot of, ways of reducing the cost of those like the longer you hold it between turns the cheaper it gets or the more powerful it gets uh and the watcher absolutely has that as well um and in fact the a lot of the cards that change your stance have retained on them as well so basically once that comes up in your hand you're going to hang on to it until you play it and so you kind of hold in reserve the ability to turn into that that stance um which is useful and so what you're kind of trying to do if if there are are attack cards that have retain on them then there's one that's I think it's called Sands of Time and it does a, a quite a, a large amount of damage but it costs four energy to play usually you only have three energy per turn but it also has retain on it and each turn you retain it it goes down and cost by one hmm. um, and so it's about uh, you don't really want to play in your first turn anyway because you're probably not in Roth stance or you don't want to be in Roth stance because once you're in Roth stance you know it's going to cost you something to get out of it and uh, you're going to be taking a crazy amount of damage all the time you're in it so, like, I think, I feel like the sort of typical default way to play it is you either go into calm stance or no stance at all and just sort of play it safe and defend and defend and, until you've retained enough cards that you have, like, a card that's going to turn you into Roth stance and then several cards that, that are going to deal a decent amount of damage that also, um, uh, have retained on them so you can store them up. And then that one turn that you turn, that you activate Roth, then you get to play all your damage cards at double damage and that should be enough to close off the fight. And then you don't have to worry about how much damage you're going to take because it's over. And of course you can't do that all the time. Um, and particularly on bosses, you're going to have to pick a threshold. Like you, you can't really wait until you can just one shot a boss because <laughs> you're never going to have that many uh, damage cards in one hand unless you have a, a really good deck. Um, and so it's about like, it, it's a really nice mechanic of trying to pick that moment of like, okay, I think if I go into Roth now, I can either finish it before I take too much damage, or I have a way of getting back out of it, and then, um, that works too. So the calm stance is not a defensive one. It's, like I say, when you leave calm, you get two energy. And so that combos really well with Roth, because if you go into calm, you're not getting any benefit yet, but you're storing up all these cards, you're storing up a card that can put you into Roth's stance, and then when you go into Roth's stance, you get the two energy back, so now you have energy to spend like everything in your hand, basically, um, and get double damage from them um but then there's the other kind of builds you can go for um there's a whole load of cards that give you something that kind of happens when you change stance so there's one that gives you armor sorry block when you change stance there's one that gives you extra cards when you change stance um and there's cards that their cost is reduced every time you change stance um and so if you can figure out a way to have like uh uh, enough cards that you can go into Roth, play a few attack cards, then go back out of it into Calm and then go back into Roth. Um You're getting energy back, you're getting card draw and you're getting a uh, block. I tried a build like that this afternoon and I died. <laughs> because uh it- there aren't that many cards that switch stance that will stay around in your deck. Most of them exhaust. So like this one put you in Calm cheaply, but... After you've used it, it's gone from your deck. So for a boss fight, you're going to blow through those pretty quickly and then not have any more uh, to switch stances with. And if that's what your whole build was depending on, then you're kind of screwed. Other ones will do stuff like this one called um, Tantrum, which puts you in wrath stance and you can't leave it again for the rest of the turn. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing can calm you down. which is really- um, And then there's uh, some of the cards you unlock give you something called Mantra. Which does nothing by itself, but when you have ten of it, it puts you in the divinity stance and mm-hmm. in the divinity stance, you do three times damage and you don't take any extra damage at all, but it only lasts for that one turn oh or you also get like four bonus energy <laughs> it's completely insane and if, so if you've if by the time you get into that you've also got some like a power in effect that gives you cards when you change stance the you tick over into getting like extra mantra and you get up ten mantra and then that activates divinity that counts as a stance change so that triggers all your block and your extra cards and the, all those other benefits from that and other things being, reducing cost and then you can also do triple damage with them and you have all this extra energy um, and uh, you can often finish the fight there there's one card that puts you in that divinity stance immediately don't have to build up any mantra just does it straight away but you die next turn <laughs> so hmm. it's
0: all or nothing you just play that and you either win or you die <laughs> So it sounds like – because it feels like with Slay the Spire, the Slay the Spire is, is just mechanics the game, basically, yeah. right? And expanding Slay the Spire is add to this <laughs> meaningfully. Is it a case of making it – I guess the two questions. Is it a case of just making it more complicated to achieve things that other classes can achieve quicker and is that fun? Like, the, f- the first thing sounds like it has a qualification texture, but there really isn't. It's just, like, <laughs> is it fun to build a weirder Rube Goldberg machine to achieve a big damage combo? Because, like, yeah. the other classes will- can do that, and probably without quite as much gymnastics.
3: Uh, it is fun, because you feel like you're sort of always riding on a knife edge. It's uh, the turns where you get to spend all the stuff and do triple damage. Like, that's a thing that's never been in the game before. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, and... There are so many ways to kind of maximize that and to, to kind of hold on to all your advantages and stock them up and time it all to be on like turn four is going to be an incredible turn for me. The other classes don't have that kind of intentionality. You kind of, Mm. if you, if you have a great deck as a, as the ironclad that can double your strength every time you get the, that card, uh, that's great. And some of your turns will be great and some, and it'll get better and better Mm. as it goes on, but there's no kind of like intentional pace to it. It's just. Oh, if I got good stuff, the good stuff might come up at the right time and that's great. Yeah, you've got this is the one okay, you threw a bad hand and things. Yeah. With this class, it's like it's random when the thing first comes up in your deck, obviously, but once it's come up, if it's got retain on it, you get to choose um when to play it. And there are other cards that sort of there are a lot of cards that set things up in advance, like you play it now, and it's gonna put another card in your draw pile, and so you know in future you're gonna get this card, and when that comes up, uh you get to hang on to it and you can mm-hmm. um just time it to get this really good return. And those yeah, those, those one turn kills are, uh, are awesome. And it feels earned because it's so difficult to get there and so risky to, um, hmm. to set it up. And also, it really feels, yeah, it's just very technical and you feel clever when you win with it because it, <laughs> you're always on this, like, on the brink of death, basically. And you found some way with this hand of five cards, like none of them do any damage and you've got to kill the enemy this turn. But this one, if you play it after you played a skill, it draws a card. And then the card it draws turns out to be this unplayable card that draws two Miracles. And the Miracles let you get more energy and that lets you play this other card that draws three more cards and then those cards turn out to be um, uh, damage-dealing ones. And this one, even though it do more damage in Wrath, you're going to cast it while you're still in Calm because it goes to your... It's an exhaust card, so it gets exhausted. And then... Uh, if you ever change stance, it comes back from your exhaust pile. And so you're going to cast it in Calm, then go into Wrath, and then it will come back to you and you get to cast it again. But if you cast Wreath of Fame before that, that adds five damage to your next attack. But this is an attack that does three damage five times. And so it's going to end up doing eight damage five times. But because you're in Wrath, it's going to be 16 damage five times. <laughs> and then when it all works out and you realize, oh, they're going to die this turn. <laughs> you're like, oh, thank God.
0: <laughs> How does the potential take double damage uh, feel in a game where damage is persistent so obviously you can get you can win but then maybe take one hit or something that knocks you right down and that's going to affect like campaign level progress right of yeah the way. um
3: i feel like i'm just kind of used to, like when you're in Roth at the end of your turn that's a choice you've made <laughs> like, right. that's a that's a bold decision on your part because <laughs> you never have to enter wrath it's always you know you only do it if you either have a way out or they're not doing that match damage this turn or they're not attacking this turn and it's actually been really rare for me to find myself just sort of stuck in that stance and unable mm. to get out of it There are also just loads of cards We're like this one just gives you seven block and takes you out of your stance so if you want to have a deck where you can easily get out of any stance you're in you'll have ways of doing that so it's i think only like a couple of times i've actually found myself stuck in that unless you get tantrum of course in which case but again that's a choice you've made <laughs> i took the card where you enter Roth and you can't get back out again <laughs> is this out out now it's in beta hmm. so um uh it's very like there are, there's no art for almost any of these cards so they all just have a massive word beta <laughs> scrawled on them in handwriting um but and it's changing quite a lot. Like I noticed just today, there's been a, a bunch of changes to how some of the cards work. There was one that, um, you know, it's like this part, there's these cards that cost X energy. And mm-hmm. then if it, like it's like um, cost X energy and it does eight times X block, then you get, uh, if you spend four energy, you get four times eight block. Uh, there's one here that uh, until recently, <laughs> it did, it gave you X energy for the next X turns. Oh wow. So if you spent one energy on it, it gives you one more energy next turn, which is kind of useless. Um, but if you spent four energy on it, you get four energy every turn for four turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that has already changed. <laughs> <laughs> it now does two energy for, no next way. Turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm guessing I, did, I never even got that card to work, but I'm guessing somebody did. There's also like, there's a relic in sales bar that you can buy in shops sometimes that makes all X cards do X plus two for free. And so even if you spend no energy on it, you get two <laughs> free energy for two turns.
2: <laughs> how long will the game be? Like, how long
0: <laughs> are they when game s- die? <laughs> yes.
3: I I have a sense they might move on after this. I don't okay. think there's going to be an endless stream of these classes. I don't know, but I listened to an interview with um, uh, with Anthony Giovetti on the uh, on Splunky, Splunky? Yeah. show like, and it's not that you said anything to that effect. It's just kind of, I sort of got the sense that this was like a, um, that they might be a bit tired because <laughs> they did an insane uh schedule with the the game itself. You know, they did a, mm. a year of early access doing updates every week. And then um uh like before it even went to early access, I think it would develop like two and a half years or something of really mm. intense development. They totally mm. crunched. They were, you know, working like 18 hours a day and stuff. Um, and I, I assume and hope that they've taken it a bit easier since launch, cause, um, uh, this is the first, I think this is the first really big update since launch. It launched quite a while ago. Um,
0: and I think, I imagine they probably want to move on to new stuff. It seems like the kind of game where you could, could just give it to the community. Yeah. Which right? they kind of have. Like they well. kind of have in a way, but it's like, you know, all they probably need is check in on every now and then, promote some of the best mods into the game with credit or, or whatever is appropriate, and then, that will happen, right? Like, yeah. yeah. At some point, they've maybe obviously taken on this challenge of designing a class that maybe improves on what the community's tried to do in different ways. Uh, but like raw kind of you know small team design power probably can't take them so far. Honestly, before just I'd, I'd love to people see people will with, figure out.
4: Yeah, and I'd, I'd I'd love to see given that they're already taking in kind of leading ideas from the or at least you know it's reflecting leading ideas in the in the community like d- like can it support any major new ways
3: to play like
4: major new concepts mm. for a build for a character
3: yeah i think um i do really like this new class uh my but like i say before it came out i was expecting them to try and do something community couldn't do like you know, if you want what, to something, just, has- the logic doesn't exist for in the- Yeah. So like the first image they released to this class, they always do really, really teasing images where it just shows some tiny little thing. And it was just like a red and blue, almost like a yin yang kind of swirl thing. And, um, uh, I wondered for a moment whether this class would have like two different kinds of energy. Like if mm-hmm. they, cause it, it was pretty clear it was going to be a monk and something about balance. Um, and I was wondering if it, if it would have like sort of, you know, Peaceful energy and fury energy or whatever, and then spend those in different ways. That's something the community can't really do, I don't think, with the framework they've got. Uh, the kind of, you know, there's a community character that, where you're a slime and you have pet slimes, but they work kind of like the orbs for the defect. And mm. there are ones that do this stance thing that was already possible with the framework they had. Um, so it would be interesting to see, like, what can they do that the community can't?
4: Mm. Mm. Like, I'm thinking about the first person. Maybe with some sort of gun,
3: <laughs> shoot the spire, <laughs> <Yeah>. blast. Yeah. <laughs> there is. It really bothers me. This is a tiny thing, but <laughs> there are no. It's set in a world that doesn't appear to have any kind of guns. It feels like a you know, medieval fantasy kind of thing. But then some of their cards. uh There's one called Double Tap that uh, <laughs> just. The the icon for it is just like a a corpse with these two bullet holes in it, but it's the worst art in the whole fucking game. Even like a year before release, it was like, oh my God, this is the worst placeholder art you have. You've got to change this one right away. And they changed like 25 others, but not this one. It's still in the game and it really bothers me. (laughs) There's also a a card called Bullet Time, which is kind of a weird...
0: (laughs) (laughs) They've been teasing it for years then. They need to add... Gun. <laughs> <laughs> that's the new class. It's just a gun. There's no person attached to it. Just live. on floor. the floor. This is like, oh yeah. man, that's an amazing idea for a pet class. It's a gun on the floor, and you have to summon creatures that might be able to use the gun <laughs> and, know, and know what to do with it. Or well, maybe and your deck is and just... your ultimate card is human man. And like, <laughs> Twenty bullets. That's a
4: real monster. Three reload cards. It's just bullet, 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 bullet,
3: reload. I think you need to get modding, Alex. <laughs>
0: Chris. Hi. What have you done? Oh, What no. have you done? Oh, I've done it again. I've enjoyed a game by Remedy. <laughs> um, I've been playing Control. Mm. And so Control is, 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 as I say, Remedy's new game. Um, it is, I think, set in the same universe as Wake. Really? Oh, really yeah hmm. uh, it was certainly that uh, makes uh, look, like, sort of cutesy endeavors on the side to close off alan Wake in some interesting ways oh. um, and uh, this has been so sort of teased for a while and i have to admit i was left quite cold by almost all of the promo stuff they showed mm-hmm. and i think it is a game that um i think maybe it doesn't demo particularly well uh, because of some of its flaws which i'll get to but i'm actually really really enjoying it so it's a, a third person action sh- game shooter, single player shooter, uh, set in a, uh, sort of paradimensional government building, um, called the oldest house, which is basically the notion is there is a government agency called the federal Bureau of control, which is functionally the X files meets SCP containment breach meets that kind of thing. Um, but the, the broad kind of thesis of it, which is, is fun, is that, you, you know, reality is a very thin construct that everything is information at the end of the day and other dimensions bleed in, um, essentially through intention all of the time. And, uh, human intention in lots of different ways just shapes the world. And, and, and what we see as real and physical is actually far less stable than that. And so there's this is US government bureau called the Federal Bureau of Control, um, who attempt to just keep reality in, in, in one kind of, frequency basically one set of operational principles um and their headquarters at this big building um uh which no one Nose is there, basically. And it's... Uh, Who cleans all the floors then? A janitor. A Finnish janitor.
4: <laughs> uh, I mean, they're, they're very well
0: looked called, after. Uh, Arty. Ar- Arty. Did you actually know this? Because the, the janitor is one of the big...
4: Oh, I things. thought you were joking. <laughs> nope. Nope. No, <laughs> no, this, is, this is very rare.
0: The, the paradimensional Finnish janitor is i did thing. see a
4: video with, yeah, a, with, a, with a finnish real. janitor who was do, doing very very nonsensical talking yeah. um, for
3: like 17 minutes
0: straight yeah. extremely slow delivery yeah, no, i think so, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's real weird like so in order to the top level thing is obviously remedy the people made in and uh, max, uh max Payne, and it has um very much all their sort of fingerprints all over it um like I was far a far bigger fan of Max Payne, particularly the first two, than Alan Wake. But you know all the weird parts of Max Payne, like the weird television they would mm-hmm. put in the background and the little references to the Twilight Zone, the Easter eggs and, and that kind of thing. It's that, basically. It's their it's their opportunity to run with some of those really weird ideas in a different direction. Um uh I want to give like an overview of what it is and then talk about some of the weird decisions they've made. But basically so you enter this, uh, house as a young woman who's sort of found her own reason to be there and maybe possessed by a kind of time ghost. Don't know. <laughs> uh, um, and, um, this place shifts like, and it's an interesting, it's, it's set fundamentally in like big offices. Like it's, it's a big spaces that feel more realistic than a lot of game spaces because they're large and they're very, very detailed and everything is a physics object pretty much. So it's just full of stuff that falls over during gunfights and it's very, very detailed, but everything is too big and doesn't quite fit into the building around it. And it's full of corners and sort of sight lines that don't make sense and ceilings that are too high and you're told over and over again that the building shifts from time to time so it's also full of these like fallout shelters that you, the idea is if the building is shifting people run into these and just figure out what department they come out in when everything changes around them
3: oh no
4: we're in marketing yeah
0: right uh well that is actually what happens if you, you run out of journalism into the safe room the door opens again and you're in marketing um the um, <laughs> um uh it's great the um and then there's there's tons of ideas i don't want to bang on too much about the fiction necessarily so much as the delivery of it but um you know one of its ideas for example is you start amassing essentially psychic powers or reality warping powers of your own and you get these from uh, items called objects of power or oops um and an oops is formed when almost like too much like um almost like too much like uh uh symbolic weight is placed upon a physical object <laughs> like it's almost like the Wilmot's warehouse thing of sort of like the semiotics of it <laughs> like broken semi, like i I'm a huge fucking sucker for this stuff where it kind of overlaps with cosmic horror and, mm. and those kinds of things like it's um so the example the first one you get is the ability to pick up and throw objects um with your mind, and you get this from a floppy disk that you find, and the floppy disk uh was a repository for cold war era launch codes nuclear launch codes and it sort of changed hands between American and Soviet spies a few times and was eventually sort of claimed from a an embassy by somebody but by that time it had gotten so infused with human anxiety about the concept of launching things, but now it basically... Is oh, launches this. everything! It launches stuff. It's just what it does, and it pulls wow. apart. And so you kind of take its... You don't take it and then wave it around. Like, it vanishes, and you kind of... Im- More's the pity. You take on everything that it represented, right? Huh, like, yeah. the way it impacted reality. And now you can do that, which is by throwing things... Um, In a
3: sense, by throwing a barrel at you. <laughs> right. I represent anxiety about nuclear war. And so it has... And so
0: one layer of it is, like... These things are, you know, you're told have been claimed by the Bureau at different events. The Bureau are like the G-men who show up at the end of a Stephen King story about like a haunted typewriter or something. And that's kind of the idea (laughs) is that everything is haunted, but being haunted is not ghosts. It's something getting saturated with meaning to the point where it starts behaving in a weird way or acting Mm. as a kind of conduit for extra dimensional forms of, of sentience. Um, including, anyway, your gun, which including your gun including your guns <laughs> yeah so your gun so basically the, this is the intro of the story and it's not, not a spoiler because it's an opening cutscene but basically the the bureau has a director and the director is um, the, the person who speaks to the board and the board is a pyramid that exists out of time <laughs> and just sort of honks at you in sort of pure meaning but in these sort of text strings that have lots of slashes in them. So it'll oh, say words tell. and juxtapose. That is weird then. Well, it's kind of nicely done because it, it juxtaposes two concepts at the same time. So oh, okay. it's this, oh, this slash this is this slash this okay. and occasionally it breaks the fourth wall. So it will, you know, because it knows it's a game. The board knows it's a game. But anyway, the board... um the director's kind of badge of office is a gun that is basically just intent. <laughs> and the, the, in the very beginning of the game, the pre- previous director shoots himself with the gun and then you pick up the gun and the gun chooses you to be the new director, even though you're a complete newcomer. And everyone has to go with this because you've been picked by sort of, and it's kind of nice. It kind of knights you as the protagonist of the game, but very much within the context. And this mm. is shit they've been doing since Max Payne. Like it's, mm. it's very much in that playing with the, the, the medium a little bit, but the previous director's um, thoughts were about being the director and what that means were recorded um, on the bullet that killed him as it passed through his brain. <laughs> so um, you uh, occasionally the gun speaks to you through uh, a different device called the hotline, which is like a big red phone. That allows you to talk to the space triangle, basically. Um, but also to the director. And so it uses, it uses, uh, real FMV. It uses actors. And so, uh, sometimes you'll go in and there'll be a projector on a wall and you'll see a video from like the head of research or something. And it'll be the actor, you know, doing a real, which they did for Max Payne as well. They do weird puppet shows and there's all sorts of weird shit (laughs) in it. Like, um, the and then but the the weirdest choice they've made is when you're getting one of these lectures from the former director about something uh it's looping footage of him just smoking a cigarette in the dark while sort of standing in front of a big blue light and it both it just looks like the cheapest thing in the world (laughs) maybe on purpose but it's it's such a strange ah, it's so weird because they do
3: there's a really neat thing they do with um uh Early on, I think, I haven't got to the telephone yet, but I'm uh, coming up on that. And then the director is kind of talking to you at various points in your head and you are seeing them kind of projected into the 3D space around you, but in right. a way that's kind of uncanny. I can't entirely figure out how it... Because at first it looks like it's just a
0: projector behind you casting mm-hmm. it onto the level around you. But as you move through it, it seems to be 3D as well. Yeah, because that is footage of a real actor being projected as if from an invisible projector past you and interacting with a <laughs> real physics object. It's weird. Eventually you get the ability to see those videos raw, Right. And it is just looping footage of him like smoking, looking around a room. And it is the cigarette smoking man from the X files pretty much. But like crossed with like a, like a local theatre production of double indemnity. <laughs> like <laughs> well, well it like it fits really because
4: it's this is his construct and like he's yeah. just, he's just a he's just a bloke. There's all
0: sorts of sort of weird weird stuff in there and like um there's um it benefits a lot from like initially just a level of detail like i went to an area which had a whiteboard on it and the whiteboard appeared to be covered in text and then i zoomed in and textures are high res enough now that it was just lines and lines of text it was a story it was <laughs> you know maybe a 800 word kind of mad kind of short scp style story just on a whiteboard in a random corner of the room <laughs> um and and so far i've enjoyed it it's it's sh- it's sh- it's, sh- it's sh- <laughs> schlocky sometimes it's it's not camp but it's it's very much like an episode of the twilight zone like it even implies that the Bureau produces TV shows like the twilight zone to control the kinds of paranormal ideas that exist. Because hmm. if those ideas are in the human consciousness, then they impact reality. So they need to be kept within certain boundaries. Huh. So like genre is a construction of the Bureau because it allows reality to be maintained alongside <laughs> kind of like the sem- Marvel is semiotic basically just the- <laughs> it's kind of big, like, there's a bunch of like, I like am a big suck for this stuff. Generally. It's really
3: interesting that it seems so obviously it has so many influences that you can point to. Yeah. And like so many of them are TV. Like it's so much more common in games for, to to rip off films, right? Like mm-hmm. Alien and, and uh Terminator and stuff. Um and this obviously it references David Lynch and um uh it keeps making me think of Warehouse thirteen. I don't know if there's yeah. a direct inspiration for them, but that's literally a TV show about getting these objects of power and bringing them all to this one safe place to kind of contain them. Um and then Fringe, of course, like, when you're talking about, a, mm, a bullet going through see. someone's head and keeping all the memories on it, like, that's such fringe shit. Yeah. And then when you go into a new area, they have this massive font thing that Fringe also did, or just, like, the name of the area just appears on screen in vast text.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, and so, and so there's all that from, from that point of view. And then it took me a while to figure out what it was doing from a game point of view. Um, because one, one thing that's interesting about it is it feels very much like a up for a horror game, but it isn't. It, mm-hmm. It's an action game. Like, it is full on a shooter. And so the the enemy is basically um, there. Are, I think there are you know there are other factions, but the 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 setup is that essentially like just a bad resonance has gotten into the bureau, which is a kind of this thing called the hiss, which is its functionally it's turning the staff against you. They're not zombies; they are just evil humans for the most part, but with increasingly paranormal powers as things get layered on. But basically. Essentially, it, it could be, it's, it's spooky possessed people by any other means except they're possessed by bad sound. Um, which does allow them to do some really cool visual effects with like when people get, when they, when you kill them and you see like a sort of sonic wave kind of emit from them and things like this. Mm. And the, when there are no, when there are, there's some of them are enemies, like when the guards get corrupted, they turn into enemies that will, will spawn in level and come and get you. Sometimes you get chased by, basically like sentient balls of sound that heal the other ones and so on. Um, but then also uh, sort of non-combat personnel who get possessed hover in the air, just chanting like lines of dialogue uh, over and over and over again. So it creates these really weird soundscapes as you're moving around. But this is the real weird thing because it's other big influence. It took me a while to get to this. I'm pretty sure it's destiny. That is a weird one because basically, so you start off, you have gun, you have one gun and you can sort of, uh, craft new astral forms for it, which are shotgun, charge shot, that kind of thing. And then s- equip two of them and switch between two of them. You can also gain, you can basically gather up concepts as you walk <laughs> through the world. Like uh, there's one, one of them is called something like a, a ritual impulse. So it's like, the idea is that even things like always putting your keys in the same place when you leave the house, this is an intentional act that affects reality in some way. So you collect the sort of, um, the astral imprint of a ritual impulse like that. And then you use these to make a shotgun, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is very destiny actually, like having really high sci-fi stuff, but also gun. Um, but the other reason I mention it is because, so you start to amass these powers and eventually you get to the point where the combat system becomes really fucking good. And it's what, it takes a little while to get there. I think, um, but there's a few ways in which that is demonstrated. So one is the composition of enemy groups. Eventually it tends to introduce each new enemy type quite slowly, but eventually you get these big groups that have uh relationships with how they approach combat. So you can have goons and snipers and uh characters with RPGs and grenade launches. Um, some have shields and uh shields take far more damage from a, like a telekinetic impact than they do from bullets. And then you have uh like these, orbs of sound that heal other enemies you have other enemies that go invisible until they are behind you and and these sorts all these different things and this is something that bungee games generally do really well is have enemies with behaviors that you fight them one one-on-one you get it and then the actual interest comes from having a big arena and lots of them in different configurations and having to kind of figure it out and you get powers at a clip as well and it's not like a rotating you know set of things it's almost like a new Key binding every time you you get it, so eventually you get you get lift and you that allows you to lift and hold an object, and it's like the best feeling gravity gun I've played for a while because it lightly auto targets in a way that's really satisfying. And like I say, these environments are full of full of physics objects, so you're picking up everything from like desk chairs to ripping monitors and the still sparking kind of cables out of their sockets, and it's 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 an ability you always have. So even if you're not around a physics object, it will pull a chunk of the wall out and give you a block of concrete instead. And but if you do to, to pick up like a, a gas canister or something like that or a fire extinguisher, it will explode with a different effect. So there's there's a real feeling of it's cool. It's a cool feeling of connection.
4: Did you play PsyOps years ago? No. Yeah, I really mm-hmm. did. Like the video videos I've seen, really. This is a P. I mean, presumably on PS2 it's as, as well, thing. but it's PS2. I played it on. Yeah, and it's basically. uh You'll just use your, you work for government side things. And they, yeah, you just shoot stuff yeah. with, um, with your brains and it's really good fun. <laughs> um,
0: and then you get like, um, you get a shield, which allows you to surround yourself with a swirling cloud of debris, um, which, and then ultimately can be upgraded that you then can kind of project that as a, a burst attack when you let go of it. Um, and then you get the ability to boost in the air, um, and then ultimately fly um, and then the ability to if, a, if an enemy is on low health uh, you absorb the power of a, um, uh, a, a an x-ray monitor unit a haunted x-ray monitor unit which allows you to get inside people's minds and turn enemies uh, to, to fight for you but they have to be on low health so that has an interaction if they're being healed and all this other stuff. And then you can upgrade your ability so that you can now grab rockets out the air when with Earth t- telekinesis. So it'll automatically grab them rather than a nearby object. If there's a rocket or a grenade nearby and it starts to all pile up and none of this stuff is like massively groundbreaking, but it's all executed really nicely. And it's mm-hmm. sort of, um, uh, it's quite entertaining. And then it starts to throw things at you. You don't expect. So you get the ability you unlock uh, control points basically throughout the, the building and you're, it's a big almost open world even though it's an office block and then you're being sent on a particular place for the critical path but then every now and then a mission will pop up and say that there's a uh, an emergency in this department and you have 20 minutes to get there and if you want you can just go there and do that instead for bonus points and they're almost like generated combat encounters like these you know un- uncorrupted bureau agents are fighting the enemies here and so you go there and do that and it's almost like a public event in an MMO but in a single player game it's a really weird decision but it creates a sense that you're never quite settled on your little path going and doing what you're doing. You then run back to a control point and then fast travel to somewhere else and then go and do that for a bit and hoover up some loot and go off in a different direction. Okay. It's kind of interesting. Like, um, I haven't finished it. And so I don't know how it all ends or how satisfying that is, but I, I, I wouldn't say that necessarily it, like crests head above the sort of eight out of 10 region in a bunch of ways. <laughs> Cause at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it is not. I don't know, it's, it's one of those games that I think it's definitely more than some of its parts. I think that's maybe the weakness of, of why I didn't make a great showing hmm. in promotional stages that like you see a bit of it and you're like, oh, hmm, not sure. But then there was in aggregate, somehow it, it, it achieves more than that.
3: Yeah. I, I've, i only played a little bit of it, but I'm liking it a lot more than, than I thought I would from what I saw. And the stuff I saw, like, especially when they show like the astral plane stuff, <laughs> it's just that you go to like a tutorial dimension to learn new things. Yeah. The big triangle takes you to the tutorial um, dimension. Yeah. Yeah, that was just, like, such a big sigh from me. <laughs> 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 oh, fucking hell, video games. Is it, <laughs> is is not it a white way? background, by yeah. any chance? Yeah. And, like, yeah. the geometric shapes hanging yeah. in space kind of thing. Oh, we've, got yeah. to, we've got to
4: stop doing that. <laughs> got we've tutorial got to stop doing that.
3: Um, and you do go there, but that's such a small part of it. You just go there to learn one new thing, and then you come back, and then, uh, like, the Gravity Gun thing, you go to a tutorial dimension to learn that, and it... Kind of sucks in the tutorial dimension. I mean, it's fine, but it's just it's not that cool. And then you go back to the real world, and now you're ripping shit off walls, and it's um it's really spectacular and cool.
2: Yeah, so like, Max Payne was the uh, was the originator of the terrible dream level, yeah. right? With the the mm. blood trails and the baby crying. <laughs> oh, <that was> awful.
0: <laughs> yeah it it is it is schlocky in the same way that Max Payne was shocky. Like that yeah. sort of just very very earnest. Like it does um, the main character um, she. She, you hear her thoughts and the only thing it's doing there that is sort of different, like t- to sort of explain it somewhat is it could sort have of rapidly introduces that there is another presence with her and that's probably who you are actually. Right. And that explains why it's the third person game because you are watching <laughs> her. You're not, you know, her necessarily. Mm. Um And this other presence only, only appears as a kind of screen effect is almost like a kind of monochrome kind of kaleidoscope mm. that sort of, fades in from the edges of the screen very, very occasionally to show you that something's watching basically. Um, and, but you know, she talks and she, you know, she's talking to a character saying like, maybe this is the time to say, but no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's like There's a scene where she's talking to a character and, and she's sort of uh, debating as to whether to tell her that she's, getting messages from the dead director and she tells her that and then afterwards says but i'm not ready to tell her about you yet <laughs> okay so there are, there are i think there are three different presences in our head <laughs> at any given
0: time yeah right there's um and there's like a yeah there's a bunch of stuff that is like i don't know i find it quite charming in a way like it's been a while since i've sort of played a single-player game that is this sort of um invested in setting up its own fiction yeah hmm. and it's obviously super in love with a lot of different kinds of movies and, and things like that like there's you know there's so much lynch in it it's kind of unbelievable and and maybe the idea of trying to create like a like a macro fiction to contain all of like all of that stuff is not something people need hugely <laughs> is i think is max Payne set in the same universe as this is is this something that's love that if that was cool. the case <laughs> uh, um like yeah what was his his objective power is <laughs> well I guess pill bottles yeah <laughs> <laughs> um
2: but that, I mean that that game existed in a sort of sort of fringy sort of yeah. not quite paranormal but slightly paranormal. There's like angels and demons.
0: Yeah, pretty that much.
2: People hallucinate, but do they really? Yeah. And you know everything's called uh, like I think you go to a nightclub called Ragnarok, and the drugs are called Valkyrie or something like this. Everything <laughs> yeah. is you know Nordic legend.
0: I don't know. Is it just nostalgia that makes me love that? Like because I loved those <laughs> games at the time, but there's part of it that's. I hated
2: it at a time. I really like diving in <laughs> slow motion, though. Yeah.
0: This coat has been imbued with the power of diving sideways. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd buy that coat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's good. Um Pleasant surprise. And um looks nice as well.
2: Is it? So maybe this is a, uh, a feature of its poor marketing, but like, um I got the impression that it was like a sort of filler project for them, that this was like a almost um, a moon crash sized piece of DLC for a game that doesn't exist
0: I've played it quite a lot it might be short I don't know um, Like I'm happy if it, it is short because I don't have a lot of it time doesn't, it doesn't just... feel short right okay. like, no,
4: I definitely got the impression like they spent enough on the marketing that it's got to be a
0: main game okay yeah it's, it's a, yeah, it's a mm, I don't think so I think it's only weakness it's shown so far is I've played a lot of it and apart from that one expanding basic set of enemies it hasn't really shown me anything else mm. and I think that's a bit of a Issue with I don't know as kind of cosmic horror or you know sort of science horror or whatever you call it. It's sort of in territory where it can't show half the things it's trying to describe. Really, energy
4: beasts come out. Yeah, like
0: really, and that's kind of you know we have talked about this in the podcast before, but that is like the the old problem of trying to do these sorts of stories in games where you don't really want to have the gunfight with Cthulhu at the end. Of the but yeah. that is how the actual Call of Cthulhu story does end. <laughs> uh, they do run him over with a boat and everyone lives happily ever after. Really? People forget what? that that's what? the end of Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Is it? It kind of is. So, because, well, so Call of Cthulhu is one person reading someone, reading about someone, reading something, reading something, reading something, reading something. Right. Yeah. And the people at the bottom of that, are the people who find Cthulhu and they run him over with a boat. And then it filters back up and yeah, everyone gets murdered. He's bigger than a
4: boat.
0: No, (laughs) no, well they ram it into his head and it bursts and he sinks back down to the bottom of the ocean. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. That is, that that literally is is what happens in in H.P. Lovecraft's The Court of Cthulhu. And like, and But this is always the issue, right? Like, as soon as you get to that stage, it's like, can we fight it with guns? If no, not good video game. See, that's and, what yes, I like about Destiny. Good, yeah. where
4: it's totally like, okay, you are fighting these multidimensional kind of robot AI things, but they're also just sparky things that are really nice to hit with bullets. Yeah.
0: <laughs> also, your bullets are maybe infused with... Some yeah, sort of paradimensional demonic, yeah. kind of, um, creation power that means that, yeah, this is a bit like having a debate with it, really. Yeah, but also <laughs> you are loading your pure Isn't it, in a sense. You do, you know, I mean, I love, I fucking love that bollocks. It's complete bollocks, but yeah, I mean, the whole, you know, half the hive stuff in Destiny is about the point that like, if you defeat them in their own dimension, then you actually prove them wrong semantically and therefore they don't exist yeah, in your face because they, they exist because they their own you know axiom is that only victors exist if you are defeated you cease to exist so Mm -hmm. if you defeat them through the medium of guns then you have somehow won a cosmic victory as well as a practical gun based victory yeah like (laughs) fighting
4: the internet with a shotgun
0: (laughs) yeah exactly in david cage's (laughs) faraday like yeah it feels like because you see one enemy faction i'd love it to start throwing other things in there or weirder threats I haven't really done that yet. It's done one thing where it plays with your perception so far that I've seen. And that was sort of off the beaten track a bit. So it feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity because otherwise you're just throwing TVs at people in an office.
3: Sounds good. Yeah. But no, pretty good early on I was uh, walking through I hadn't got the gravity gun power or anything or anything supernatural I was walking past some desks and they obviously I think physics is not meant to be turned on yet properly but just for these three desks it was and when I walked into them like big heavy like mahogany desks and the top would just sort of slide off as I walked into (laughs) it the drawers would sort of like swivel out
0: (laughs) I've got physics enabled on me briefly so we do some questions yep alright Okay. Uh, Matthew writes: Hi Craters, do you have any mobile game recommendations for PC gamers? By that I mean something with a little more depth than the usual mobile fare of match 3 and reaction-based games. Cheers, Cooksey.
2: No, well, those aren't <laughs> the kind of games that I play on mobile. Uh, they're the ones that that would be deep. In inverted commas for PC gamers I mean I, I you know there are some great
4: games
3: on mobile
2: huh? yeah
4: Fall right. is like a Slay the Spire simple simplified Slay the Spire mm-hmm. and it is fun
3: there are two mobile games that to me stand out as they crying out to be on PC uh, one is Hoplite yeah Hoplite, is, oh yeah hex based uh, turn based roguelike with really cool mechanics did you read about partly- the person
4: doing the doing doing all the achievements yeah uh, that's yeah. really good yeah
3: um, Somebody, uh, yeah, the humans required to do absurd things to Hoplite, <laughs> um, like go through it without taking any upgrades at all and speed run it and then complete it three times but three without t- ever using the same skill twice. So, like, yeah. your first build, you can't use any of those skills. In and you've got
4: to get to level, it's not just
3: completing it, you've got to get to level something or other. It's not, yeah, it's like a really yeah. Um. That's a really good game. And the other one is Imbroglio, which I, I think there actually oh, yeah. is a that PC is, is version, PC, it? but it's a really rudimentary one. Maybe. Mm. Huh.
2: Um,
3: oh, no, maybe I'm, sorry, no, I'm thinking of Cinco Pals uh, has a very rudimentary PC version where like the, because uh, it's a touch controls game and then the mouse version of it is mm. a, a, an awkward translation of that. Uh, Imbroglio, I actually don't think I have played on PC.
0: Hmm. I would also add that a lot of Mobile games and, and casual games are the most hardcore games that exist in terms of the time investment that they elicit oh, from yeah. people. So there there's sure. a caveat. There's such a thing as a casual game, really, to be honest. Yeah, every day
2: I like to play the New York Times crossword. Let's talk about the New York Times crossword. <laughs> <laughs> the hardcoreist of all hardcore games. <laughs> Made more hardcore if you're British and you don't know who a golfer was in 1940, which
0: <laughs> seems to be. Yeah, well it's all, all the nickname of a uh, football, a college football team or basketball team. Mm. I actually started doing it. It's funny. I've met so many people recently, it seems, who do the New York Times crossword, particularly because the app is good.
2: Yeah, the app's really good. And it's too expensive though. It's like $2 a month. Really? What? No, it's like, like, it's like 40 quid for a year. Is what, it? just for the crossword? No, the Isn't crossword that- gets you a lot of, a bunch of other stuff, one of which is probably worth $40 for a year, but we'll get to that. <laughs> really? I'm sure, I'm pretty
0: sure. It's like two dollars a month.
2: Hmm. Maybe it is here. Maybe just if you're buying it through the app store in the States or something. Yeah, because I subscribe on the website. Mm, interesting. I think mm. you made a boo boo, <laughs> <did>, do you? <laughs> well, <laughs> sir. <laughs>
0: How dare you? Um, the New York Times crossword is great if you love discovering that the answer is czar again. Yeah, or Oreo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, why is it good? Other I than crosswords are nice.
2: It's nice and it's fast. It's timed. The there's a tactile sense to the way you put in the words. Like the just the filling out of the crossword is quite well catered for mm. through the interface. You can tab through it in an interesting screen. way if you're doing it on the keyboard. Yeah, you can yeah. kind of switch back and forth between verticals and horizontals in a in, in a nice way. And, and there's actually a strategy to that. So if you if you th- think you're going to get stuck on the first word, maybe you switch to the downs and you because sh- I compete. Uh, for time with my girlfriend on this so you know if you if you think you can't get the first word on horizontals you switch to the downs and maybe you can then just nail all of the downs very quickly but then you know so there's you know the whole thing there's a whole thing so do you do it competitively
0: i mean i'm not good at it, it. sounds she like it. always wins she, always wins Pip and i it's a, a wholly co- cooperative Experience. We um, sit there around my laptop and we do it together.
2: These are the mini daily minis I'm talking oh, you know, about. Oh, the minis. So, yeah, oh. like if mm. if and unfortunately I have really fat fingers and my screen is very <laughs> inaccurate, so it's rare that I get sub thirty seconds on the
0: daily mini. Yeah, thirty five would be where I hover, I think. Yeah, yeah. She's like getting 12,
2: <laughs> 12 seconds. Are
0: these I cryptic
3: so crosswords? No, no, no. Not cryptic
2: crosswords. But the thing that's amazing about the New York Times package of puzzles is spelling bee. And it's one of the greatest puzzle designs ever made. There are like
0: competing... That's a really huge claim. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, I'm just like, I- he <laughs> spat out some rum there. What? what? <laughs> no, no, it, I, mean, it, I mean, in a way, which is perfectly tailored to my tastes. So it's about words, obviously. You have a collection of letters, and a there's a, a letter in the centre. <laughs> you need to make as many words from that collection of letters mm. as you can. You have to use the centre letter, and you can use all of the peripheral letters as many times as you like, going back and forth. It's like boggle on that. It's like Boggle
0: Yeah, It's like, qu- it's like Boggle, Quantum, Boggle.
2: Quantum, Quantum Boggle Quantum Boggle, fuck well, me, okay, <laughs> here we go You <laughs> well, only need to say it was Quantum that. Boggle <laughs> <laughs> But it's, 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 a, it's inc- I find it incredibly compelling I, I really want to make a version of it Which is very similar but you're Rewarded possibly for the obscurity Of the words based on mm. their tracking On Google's oh, yeah, word frequency yeah. Um, yeah You want hipster points
1: <laughs> yeah
2: so that
4: would be a meta quantum
0: boggle game. Mm. <laughs> indeed yeah i don't know Which you don't you know that's beyond dimensional do, like. do you find that the main new york times crosswords because they start off easy on a monday mm-hmm. is that one cryptic no really no neither of them mm. are cryptic um what the hell i thought all crosswords. crosswords were no cryptic. they're just quizzes really yeah um, is, is the uk times crossword Main yes. cryptic. Yeah. yeah. I don't really I like cryptic I'm... crosswords, personally. Cryptic cross... Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Um, I, love, I love cryptic too. crosswords. They're the best. Like, sometimes there'll be, like, a cryptic element, like a puzzle that is mm. sort of, like... I think today's... Have you done today's? Today's New York Qu- Times. Main crossword. No, just the mini. Do you want me to kind of spoil the puzzle element? Yeah, go for it. So, the puzzle element is, like, um, you know, there, there, there are a bunch of them that are in italics, and one of them's, like, bird in the hand, and one is ace in the hole. These are the clues. And then he realized that each of those lines of, you know, those lines on the crossword has circles in it as well as squares. And then he realized that, oh, the way it works is the whole f- answer is a phrase, but the circled, like, circled sections will spell out an answer to the first word. So bird in the hole was like, um, no, ace in right. the hole, bird in the hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bird, yeah. Bird in the hand is something like, like, um, hired hired person and then the circle little spell like heron so you have heron in oh, the God hired sakes. person which is bird in the hand oh, God. like it's that sort of as they sort of like you know puzzle <laughs> oh. it's not always successful and they do get harder over the course of the week which means that you get progressively sadder over the course of the week <laughs> so yeah. like you know it's produced some useful shorthand for like I feel more like a Monday now than a I really can't deal with a Saturday 45 minutes <laughs> sad crossword it does make a good noise when you win Um, uh, key feature and actually the secret best feature of the New York Times crossword uh, the greatest mobile game is actually using well you do it most on the web app to be honest Uh, but you can go on there's usually an article about the day's crossword uh, with that crossword so like this is what the, the the tricky ones were this week and and this is how this was designed oh really uh, yeah it's very very light touch and then is that by will in, shorts yeah oh, wow. I'm a nemesis <laughs> um and then in the comments for that if you load up the comments you just get this very very long thread of very very old american people Wishing each other a nice day. Aww. Aww. It's really sweet. And like occasionally, and, and, but this is the thing about casual games being the most hardcore games. Uh, you can get a streak and you can keep, you know, if you beat the crossword every day on the day that it comes out, you get a streak. So you can't artificially create a streak. You have to be there every day to do it. And we're kind of maintaining four or five day streaks at the moment because you usually get to Thursday or Friday before you 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 cop out and use the auto check feature because you can do it where mm. it will just highlight you've got the word right, letter right. So you can, oh, right. you know, it allows you to brute force things you don't know. The other form of cheating is to Google something, but that's only allowed if it's an American sports team. You have no idea. about. It. <laughs> um, and like, so normally it's like five day streak, then reset, then five day streak, then reset. But you get people on the comments who are like, weather was terrible this morning and the dogs are barking loudly again. However, I've managed to get up to day 752 on my street. <laughs> <laughs> <I> like these <you. laughs> fucking like, like, you know, Midwestern crossword machines that, uh, it's quite sweet really. It's kind of nice.
2: Yeah. We, we, um, we do do them cooperatively, but offline. So we actually, uh, bought a book of 1,001, <laughs> which is an intimidating large number of these crosswords. And, um, unfortunately they're not organized by the day so you have no idea what difficulty you're going to get and they go back to, I don't know Sometime in the 60s, I guess. So it's, it's referencing like people who were uh, like a Hollywood Bell in the 1930s for two films. And like, I have no idea. No idea about this stuff. I do not know who was pitching for the Red Sox. If that is indeed a team name, I'm just making it up. You know, in
0: 1958. Not- you made up the Red Sox? <laughs> did you just live in New England for like a while? I did. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, excuse. good uh, Our next question is an interesting one Not, not one I'm not sure we're totally going to be able to answer To be honest, but we'll certainly read it out Which is, dear Noun and Circle um, I am disabled, uh, primarily quite severely dyspraxic And have been thinking about how to represent Disability in games One of the issues I've come across is that a game that is ludonarratively coherent Do we drink on ludonarrative yeah, coherence? I I, uh... I've done this in a while uh, I.e. being based around the frustration of living in an inaccessible world would not be accessible to a range of disabled people, as Celeste Without Assist Mode or Bennett Foddy are. And we, we believe that means getting over it there, not the man <laughs> Bennett Foddy. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, the gameplay would not be very engaging. I'm having trouble framing this as a question other than design my game idea. But have you played or do you think there are any possibilities for games that ex- explore disability sincerely?
3: Yeah, I can't think of any, but I'm also sort of not qualified to judge whether a game, you know, yeah. accurately represents that experience. I can imagine
0: lots of really bad ways of doing it. You know, yeah, that, but that I
3: am, the, just the idea yeah.
0: is really interesting. I, I want to play it. Yeah, like, like a, a second idea, maybe none of us in the room are qualified to judge what, what would qualify as success in this regard. What I would say that I thought was interesting about this is what games do the, the vast majority of the time really is um, portray super ability right Mm -hmm. either through you literally have you know uh freedom of movement and powers and and capabilities that you would never have in real life or impossible in real life or they make things that are technically possible in real life sort of so easy and effortless that they are superhuman like just you know if you're playing guild wars and you sprint across an entire zone that is not something the vast majority of human beings can do right like things you take for granted in games like jumping pretty high on command and running as much as you like these are you know games are full of you know superhuman abstractions basically that create the verisimilitude a sense of verisimilitude because your mind blanks out the actual pain and physical stress that any of these things would cause your actual body. Does that make sense mm. like you're always I kind of see it though
4: I say it in a slightly different way in that um in games you usually. Are aware of what you can't do, like games are quite sort of, mm. you know, because often they're an ability you haven't got yet or that you need to solve something in order to get to the thing that's kind of being dangled or, you know, it's often a, it's often used like the inability to get something is usually part of the progression in a game. And I think that that is maybe the start of maybe something that could reflect A disabled experience. The problem is the games then usually cathartically then give it to you. Yeah. Which then, which is kind of seems the way. And like often, so there's the, like the, the standard kind of, um, the standard for that kind of design is would be Metroid or something where you start the game, like the story has you in a super powerful suit and then. It's, all your powers are taken from you mm. and that is meant to give you the impetus to then, and then you, get like, them back. you know what you've lost and right. therefore yeah you get them back and then some more and like you know and the, and the whole gating system of needing the ability to get up the wall to get to the item that you can see out of reach
3: yeah like, i mean it's almost antithetical to everything that games normally try and do which is uh, both uh cast you as super powerful but also make you gain powers and make it you can always any any shortcoming you have can always be overcome by just level up enough and then you can yeah, bypass yeah. it and that's yeah. in uh non-interactive mediums that's a uh sometimes a harmful trope with um disabled characters who you know through some sci-fi magic they gain a superpower again and, yeah.
0: and then that fixes them and that's you know well, i suppose or the, the counterpoint way. to that is disabled characters in fiction who gain a superpower. That competes for the disability in a different way, yeah. like, uh, you know, someone who's wheelchair-bound but psychic or any of those yeah. cliches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be yeah. hard
2: to think. I, I know there have been some examples of games where uh, characters have been at least disempowered, if not explicitly disabled, but it's always been, it's always referred to that as something which is a, a tangible negative i can 't mm. think of a game in which represents disability in which in you know, that that represents that disability truthfully but also doesn 't disempower that character right yeah because
4: you 're kind of skirting frustration like in pure yeah. sort of like if games are meant to be fun territory like mm. like you 're basically in the way that we 're looking at this, and maybe that's that 's what needs to be surmounted, like we need to look at it in a very different way, but like in this mode of thought you are dealing with making a game frustrating.
0: Yeah. The other thing about this is, is really crucial is um, disability is, is fundamentally relative, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, disability totally. is, is to do with environment because it's, you know, like if, you know, if you have like a motor, you know, disability, motor disability, but you're in an inaccessible an building, then that is an issue. Mm-hmm. But it is not an issue if you're in a building that is accessible to you. And the issue with games is that most games levels, regardless of what the theme of the game is, are, designed to uh match the verbs that the protagonist is capable of executing right <laughs> like regardless whether you're in a deus ex level or a mario level you yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you have a set of verbs and the level is designed with that in mind and normally it is the you know uh, npc characters in the environment who are more out of place than you are like i don't want to reach too far with this analogy but like if you're in a mario level everyone else has a kind of fixed behavior and is limited to a certain set of patterns but you have the kind of movement vocabulary to do everything in that level and go everywhere because you are the master of it. Mm. So if a game was to meaningfully represent the experience of being disabled, I would presume you would need to flip that. You would need to have AI characters that had full mastery of the environment where it was designed for them and everything was sort of familiar to them and at the right level for them and, and safe for them. But everything was dangerous for you and hard to do for you or, you know, um, you know or simply impossible in some ways and that's a much harder thing to achieve because it requires that your ai characters then have loads more agency mm. you know i
3: should mention that there are a bunch of games uh that uh try to simulate being blind
4: oh yes, um, yeah yeah i was going I can't to mention like unfinished the swan the names of any of them unfinished, <laughs> unfinished, unfinished swan one. is one of them there was that totally audio one yeah
3: years ago that I just realised we... what was the Kickstarter one where you sort of see the sound waves and they is kind it... of oh yeah
4: uh, uh, Sangre yeah is that a I think that might be out of um, Leo Gentleman okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's Papa Lazarou no that's Papa Lazarou oh <laughs> thank
2: god I think you're right Sangre I think is is a word okay, in the thing good. that well, we're going that's, for that's probably the title somewhere <laughs>
4: that was, yeah that was
0: yeah I think you're right Marsh. I think okay.
4: you're right Papa Sangre no, that's, <laughs> oh, you see that's exactly
0: what I was trying to avoid Alex <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing I was going to say is it's weird to me that the unfinished swan and untitled goose game are both games <laughs> you know yeah mm. isn't it weird make you think um but yeah no seriously <laughs> I, I was <laughs> going to say actually that just to
4: just to append uh mm. Like as we said at the start, like we are not we are not qualified for this, and i maybe it's interesting for the writer of this uh this 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 question to to hear our perspective on it because it might be that the things we assume that should be or could be um like communicated through a game like this are about. The inability to 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 be in an environment where, you know, I'm I'm sure there are many experiences that that kind of actually are about celebrating or just expect like to portraying a life which extends beyond yeah. our assumptions that it's it's somehow kind of you know limited.
0: I just wanted to play in um so actually here's a, a thought so I, I realized I want to play an RPG where you can't read. Where text does mean <laughs> to you, oh, yeah, where you yeah. don't have the kind of magic translation power that, like something like, um, oh, my mind's gone completely blank. Inkle, um, mm. heaven's fault, gives mm. you, you know, there's no sort of game gamification layer around learning to read. It's just, oh shit, you've got to learn to That's read. Bad, yeah. um, well, that actually,
4: like your RPGs, maybe do this because you know your build in any well balanced RPG means that you literally can't do lots of stuff in the world, but there are other
3: ways to do it. Uh, Perception is the name yeah. of the, the game I was thinking of, where um, uh, you're blind.
2: Hmm. Cool. I'm surprised there aren't colour blindness games. I mean, there's colour blindness modes in games. It's a game
4: called Hue, which is that? may oh, decide about colour
0: blindness. Isn't that think... just a game where you, you can't you play? Match. It's, it's, a, game. it's a game where you can't <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. play if you are colour blind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so literally the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Well, it's
4: making a statement of sorts.
0: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, next up, Mike writes Dear CNC, you've been kidnapped by a wizard.
4: Hello. Oh, no. Again?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He has imprisoned you in a tower and offers you a choice to occupy your time. You can play the games of one developer, both those already released and any that they release in the future. Which developer do you choose and why? I feel like obviously we've answered variants on this question several times in the past because it's the desert island disc kind of thing. But I thought the thing that is interesting about this angle is... Developers, you think you can trust to keep making games you want to play in the future, necessarily? Because it's mm. interesting, because that cuts out almost all of my, what I would say were my favorite games, necessarily all <laughs> favorite studios. Uh,
3: it's, to me, it was, uh, my first instinct is like, pick a developer that's really consistently made great games. Like, I want to say sort of introversion or subset games. Um, yeah. Uh, and definitely it's hard to sort of, uh, you know, thinking about missing out on their future games. But actually, that's not really, really, if I'm practically having to answer the question, my answer is probably Ubisoft.
4: Yeah, because this is getting I, yeah, right. All the fucking Far <laughs> Cries, all
3: the fucking Assassin's Creed's. <laughs> right. Yeah,
4: with with Subset, you know, with all the love in the world, you know, you're going to be waiting a while between games. Right,
0: yeah, I was actually going to, I was going to mention Ubisoft in this as well. I don't think they're my choice, but it's interesting that they're like the only studio system that's big enough to kind of claim a single... Identity for almost all of their products. Yeah, yeah. And games are consistently eight out of ten enough. <laughs> <laughs> Just a lot of eight out of tens. Mm. A little they, of rum there.
3: It feels a bit like a bit of a cheap choice because there are, you know, how many studios? Like fifteen different studios all over the world. And yeah, it's like twelve thousand people or something. Yeah, like it's it's a sort of quirk of corporate uh, structure that they can be counted as one developer.
0: But, I, I
4: know, feel like there's is, a loophole and you've used yeah, it. Why like not?
0: The, the one, there's, there's a few else I'm going to suggest. My other sort of A kind of answer would be Bungie. Because hmm. I don't really think they've made a Duff game and the stuff they're making now, I can kind of trust that I would continue to enjoy Destiny yeah. probably forever. Yeah. But the other answer that's sprung to my mind on this, which I wasn't expecting, was Larian. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of mileage in those games. There's a lot of mileage in those games and they keep Making better games than the one they did previously. Like at the moment. That's true. Like at the moment. The
4: other ones, like you play the, the latest new one and you'll think, Oh God, the old ones. I think, <laughs> I think, I think,
0: I think original Sin 1 they've... and 2 are both great. Yes. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. and so I think the oh, yeah. prior, you, you're inheriting a big pile of prior Divinity games that I don't know if I give a fuck about, That's but still
2: like only like 400 hours for you to completely explore probably. Those two games, and then you know, the future's unknown. I mean, I'm sure they're going to make another two at least good games before well, game un- 3 you know, aside- yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. But like, you yeah, know, the unknownness of game development will eventually kind of consume that as a possibility. Right. But aside but from whom, Tom's loophole, who is immune to that? you know, like
4: we're talking about subset, which means you're talking about two games well, and then another well, what about five years until the next. Well,
3: Bethesda <laughs> could be another choice, huh? Bethesda. Oh, yeah, yeah. All, yeah. The outs,
2: all the Fallouts, all the. Sorry. This came out of me. I don't know why yeah. that, that... strange
0: honking noise. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Bethesda's... Well, it's like Bethesda's publisher or Bethesda is... No, it has to be developer. I think, it has to be so. developer. Just. Arcane is Arcane. just the Arcane. final, Arcane's final. Arcane's
2: Not bad. I don't even know what the next
3: thing is. Like, <laughs> I saw a trailer for it and I don't really know the thing. if it's a thing I want.
2: Hmm. Bungie's a good call. Bungie's a really good call. Yeah, I could have it in this hour. It's just you know, doing the nice shoot. Yeah, doing the doing the good shoots. Being Gun of Justice. to... Doing uh, the good shoots. Yeah, Time Gun. To Rich's Scotch
0: Fox. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. I suppose no one said Rockstar. I'm not surprised. I'm, so <laughs> I'm <much> sitting <laughs> on.
4: I th- I cannot bring myself to play Red Dead Redemption, and I've tried. I think I talked about it in a very positive way since I last played it and mm-hmm. I just like I sit down in front of the telly and I think
1: oh,
3: now I'll play some yeah else. I've uh, just got a new PlayStation and just looking at like which saves I'm going to transfer it almost just didn't even transfer the saves going, oh god I think I'm like going to nah fuck it <laughs> just, just the effort you just got to like it's just another step to the process and I was like am I ever ever going to play this again even though I'm only like 10 hours into it or something and that's like 0.01% <laughs> All I think about is the time it takes to start
4: accelerating to full walking speed. <laughs> I think oh God, I feel so exhausted. <laughs>
0: if you were trapped in a tower by a wizard, yeah. Would that be fun? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are there other stipulations?
3: Do we get the games or no, what? No. <laughs> just, just the tower.
4: <laughs> Would
3: it be fun to spend
4: time with a wizard? Yeah. How antagonistic <laughs> is the wizard? <laughs>
3: I mean how he's trapped you there how,
4: does the how friendly can he be
2: otherwise manifest itself well, or than kidnapping people and yeah I mean as as that's as not as a well. great trick is it I mean you can know. the
3: wizard serve as a consultant on my game about wizards <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: I could do with some practical advice
0: sort <laughs> of <laughs> Enigma, enigmatic kind of wizard consultant would you accept that consultancy if the price was you get locked in a tower and you can only click it?
4: <laughs> well I mean no. isn't that life though
0: being <laughs>
4: <laughs> so it's just,
1: you're
3: exchanging one tower for another Tom <laughs> Just a short, wide tower that I can leave at any time. (laughs) (laughs) Called a house. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, uh, since I said it, I I now think that actually having a real wizard consultant would just be a pain in the ass that just was like, oh no, you can't do that. That doesn't make any sense. That's not how magic works. (laughs) Shut up. It's a fun game mechanic. I picked magic so I could do whatever the fuck I wanted.
0: So did I, says the wizard, (laughs) teleporting you into a tower. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um... Yeah, no. Um, (laughs) Emil writes, Hi. I recently did Tom F's thing. Oh, (laughs) no. And read a bunch of negative Steam reviews for some of my favorite games. mm. Mm.
3: Is that what you do, Tom? I did do that for Spelunky and Into the Breach. Mm
0: -hmm. It was informative. (laughs) Listen to a previous podcast if you'd like to know whether or not. I think I was there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I found that one of the most common complaints about dis- uh, the Dishonored games was that people had a bad time because they played a playstyle they didn't enjoy in order to get a certain ending uh to the story. Emil goes on to sort of explain, obviously, that, you know, I think we've talked about this in the podcast plenty of times, but Dishonored somewhat punishes you with a bad ending for using all of the options it provides you. And if mm. if you play non-lethally, then you get the good ending. Um, he goes on to write, um, he goes on to write, my theory for explaining this is that most people prefer happy endings. And that playing a game for eight hours without enjoying the gameplay and then having the last five minutes of the story be good is actually worse than enjoying the game for eight hours and then being disappointed by the last five minutes of story. Personally, I'm lucky enough to not suffer from any of these problems since I don't care about the story. But I can understand that it's a common complaint if you do. My question is, is having multiple endings just bad? And if you do have multiple endings, is it bad to have the gameplay affect it? Cheers. Neil.
3: Yes. <laughs> that's my opinion. No, I, I basically, I mean, the Dishonored example is a good one, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, I remember Jedi Knight, uh, mm. like, that game was like, do you want to be a light side Jedi or dark side Jedi, and all the dark side powers are super cool, and I went for them. And then the end more or less just says, you were wrong. <laughs> like, it just shows you, like, miserable and alone. And fair enough, that's, like, a reasonable narrative
0: consequence for going to the dark side, but... It just kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think the Jedi Knights, It kind of gets away with this, though, because the light side powers are fun as well. Like, it's not, like, the difference between I can only use the non-lethal X throw and I yeah. can't do anything else. It's like... That's true. You know, light side powers are, like... You get things like... Well, because the thing with that is that you get things like healing and... Um, are we talking about Jedi Knight 1 here? Oh, I'm actually thinking about Jedi Academy, I just realized. Because I was thinking about... You get, like, healing and mind trick and stuff like that, which... Yeah, yeah like I can't to, really remember what the light powers were and did you know, like one? Because then the the neutral powers like push and pull, yeah. and stuff. So you still get those there. are yeah, those are really cool. Those yeah. are neutral. Like the point is in Star Wars, pushing someone into a like a big fan <laughs> is neutral. a neutral act. Oh, <laughs> because <laughs> well, the fan done it. Yeah, the fan did that, so you don't bear any culpability. <laughs> <laughs> so Wait. electricity, super evil. Electricity, yep. evil. No. Choking, evil.
3: <laughs> but like fucking Obi-Wan you know mind fucks people <laughs> like it's yeah. just totally you know controlling their their thoughts and making them
2: believe that
0: that's good though Tom to
3: that's
2: good that's positive that's N- good not yeah. just neutral that's actively positive that's good yeah <laughs> but isn't that all part of the idea that the Jedi are really hypocrites actually um, uh, I, actually I, I don't, was, don't know in my yeah. <laughs> <But> it sounds <laughs> like <laughs> the end in, in
4: my from my buddies. point of view the Jedi <laughs> <is important>.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I, like- uh, I take a point, uh, basically, like,
3: the uh, Dishonored has less of an excuse for this stuff because it's kind of, um, it sets you up to, yeah. like, especially Dishonored 1, all the fun options basically leave you with a, a high chaos ending. I, I also find this whole thing poisoning all of my choices in all games. Like, even if the game itself is not going to be ultimately guilty of it, I don't know that yet. So every decision I make, I'm like, uh... <laughs> I would say B but I, I think A is probably like the good ending option so I think I just have to say A or like relationship stuff where like if you don't say the right thing at the right time this character is going to leave your party or whatever or then, then you yeah, know, going to
4: be able to having, having games kind of sort of not been so strong about the concept of good and bad endings like the, like games more recently have been sort of there are a number of endings and they are a consequence of what you did and like it doesn't make such a sort of moral equivalence between them
0: i think the the key thing is like i mean that would be the answer for, for doing it well anyway i've been thinking about this a bunch recently for various reasons and, and and one of them is that i think the key is and i think this is the mistake that one made is an ending should always be the good ending for your character if yeah, you won yeah. the campaign. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, mean so it's like a with, good with ending for everybody. Yeah, with, with Tom's
4: example, he should have shown you like sort of having a gleeful time yeah, right, of yeah. being well, I was, a fucking bad. I, like, I bad, was bad the
0: dude. emperor
3: fucking loves being the emperor.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is that yeah, yeah. <laughs> of it? That Thorough Republic gets this right. Yeah, you know, if you if you go dark side in that Thorough Republic one, you are you know you basically. Cool Vader at the end, and you get to cool Vader about and you get a big parade because you reinvent space (laughs) fascism. Like, and that's you know, you win, basically. Like the ending of a video game should almost always be you win if that's the kind of game that it is. Mm. And um the issue I think with the Dishonored thing is you you do the thing. You beat the boss. Yeah. You you beat the final level. You achieve the thing. And and given the but these there games... were
2: too many rats, Chris. <laughs> you <laughs> made then, yeah. too many rats. But
0: actually, but actually magic. did you win? The answer is no. <laughs> you lost because you did lose by. <laughs> because,
3: because the, the guy you knocked fans. out slipped down two steps and that <laughs> counted as a kill. Yeah. And yeah. therefore, and it, it doesn't fails. like
0: it's it's like you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's sort of fun, funny to make this argument. Like obviously, if you're making a game. Uh, this is about taking you on a very specific narrative path, and I think you can get away with a a sad ending or a downbeat ending but you can't really moralize at the player in a game i think a certain extent because games are fundamentally sort of amoral environments in some ways like yeah, they're sure. not real, and the decisions you make are not moral decisions mm. a lot of the time
1: mm.
0: i think that's the sort of the, the i think that's the the floor in i think the sonnet works as fiction. Um but it doesn't necessarily embody that fiction well in the moral morality system simply because you know the truth the truth is that the it's asking you to invest very heavily in oh these gods that I'm seeing walking around are real people and, yeah. and my actions carry the weight that real killing would carry, even though nothing about this environment bears that out yeah. really.
2: I think I, I saw a GDC talk year before last. Uh, and it was the wrongest GDC talk I've seen in a <laughs> while. And I've seen plenty of pretty wrong <laughs> GDC talks. But it was by um, two uh, aficionados of narrative design. Um, I think one of them worked for David Cage, which should have been a warning sign, really. But anyway, the um they picked apart the ending of The Last of Us. Um, and uh, without particularly spoiling it, it has a bit of a downbeat ending. And they were like, well, it wouldn't be better if you had a choice over this. I was like, no, 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 yeah. absolutely absolutely not. Huh. Because the entire narrative arc of that game is, a, is leading to this point. And if you give players a choice over it right at the end or whenever, you're just... Basically voiding an entire narrative trajectory that has been carefully set up. And you you can't just create narratives which have perfect symmetry, perfect meaning, uh, regardless of which players choose. That just just doesn't happen. It's
4: also a bit of a fucking crime
2: where you've got a (laughs) game. Wow. Wow, okay. Literally. I thought it was a bad talk, but I wouldn't have them arrested. I will be. When the government
4: comes back, I'm going to be petitioning for this. Okay. Uh, But yeah, it's when you 've got a game like so games are like games are fucking linear, and they've asked you to do specific things like and you you haven't had choices, and then for, as you said there's a certain arc that that character has gone through yeah. yeah. Like why give a fucking yes no answer at the end? Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Like that doesn't <laughs> has no meaning.
2: But the the other illustration was this was oh, is turning uh Hamlet into a choice based game and you're like it No is. Well I mean but it, oh, there it's there about is one. watching someone make choices. Yes, but but I mean like <laughs> Like, it could unless, be done. unless you're as good a writer as Shakespeare himself, I do trust yourself to create a completely parallel path to Hamlet where he oh, makes a series of different decisions of Which the are best, as
0: meaningful. I've thought of the best video game, like the fucking Hamlet QTE, where he comes out and says, <laughs> To be or not to be And the fucking B A or B the <laughs> B, B And you don't hit B in time well, It's like He falls there, on his ass. There, is a, like new, there is a Cage's new game David Cage's Hamlet
4: <laughs> There is a new game Which is about Hamlet Isn't there? Like that just came out Like a few weeks ago Oh maybe This is uh, Elsinore Elsinore yeah, it's, I don't know whether it's got moral choices. It's completely it at
2: all. possible to gamify the the, 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 the fiction of, of Hamlet. That's not a problem. It's just the idea that, yeah. you know, by throwing in a choice somewhere, oh, suddenly you would have something that's just as good as what Shakespeare wrote. No, you wouldn't. Idiot. I <laughs> did run an
0: interactive theatre company where we added choice to Hamlet. I just realised that.
3: <laughs> oh, Chris. Yeah, Elsinore released in July, uh, is a time-looping adventure game set in the world of Shakespeare's Hamlet, uh, where Uh, It has strong social simulation elements, a dynamic story which reacts immediately to player decisions in a world of diverse characters and secrets. So stick it up your craw, Martin. (laughs) How about this? (laughs) And it has eight out of 10 rating, apparently, after 14. Eight out of (laughs) 10s. Read it and week. Whatever, (laughs) I'm sure it's very good.
4: (laughs) Um, Like, uh, I think also there's a sort of a cynical aspect to the idea of giving these kind of choices where it's about replayability, and mm. not in the service of mm. kind of you know your playing experience, mm. because as you as well, you were alluding to, like you, I get wrapped up in fucking. I want to get the end. I want to get the good ending. Yeah. Like well, as soon as there's like any mm. suggestion or you hear whispers of oh, if only you do this and this, then suddenly your whole play experience is kind of completely undermined. I actually,
3: so I didn't know this when I when I first started playing at Fire Emblem. Um, when there is going to be a choice that makes any fucking difference at all it flags it up in the most like ostentatious way of just this choice will drastically affect the rest of the game <laughs> and when you make it it's like are you absolutely sure you want to drastically affect the rest of the game <laughs> <laughs> alright alright yeah I damn <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of just wish they'd said that up front like
2: because all the other choices I was agonising about those just like, no, oh, no. Fuck it, this doesn't matter at yeah, all <laughs> this
4: has put the dial up slightly less than yeah. it would have done again your relationship with With, with
2: your interactive hamlet though is the thrill of that i mean that there is a thrill to that that's the Mm -hmm. that's the point that you're doing that you're reinventing something on the fly
0: the the, there are several key mechanics there that finish the question but yeah yeah
2: well no that's it i mean you're not presenting the version of hamlet you do as being as meaningful uh in no also crucially
0: the audience doesn't know what play they're in Oh. So that is the way of getting a real response out of people. Hmm. So we would often, so we would sell a ticket, but for a scenario that we would only tell the audience was derived from like classical tragedy. And then we would randomize the scenarios. So we'd both, we'd have like, we had like a version of essentially like Hamlet, Othello, um, Romeo and Juliet, et cetera. Hmm. And we would also, uh, gender swap on and off. So it would be much harder to tell like where things would, would end up. And, and then different audience members would be placed in different roles. So the idea is it would be very difficult for an audience member to game the system because even if you came back to the show multiple times, you're not guaranteed to see the same scenario twice right. yeah. or have it be the same kinds of characters or have it you be picked for a certain role. Hmm. Um, which leads to interesting, which led to really interesting scenarios where you'd have like the very first time we, we rented this theater in, in ha- like in North London somewhere, uh, for like the very first run and on the first night, um someone's extremely no-nonsense scottish dad came <laughs> and he i don't know he was sort of steered into a position where he was hamlet basically and we we basically would teach the audience gestures that represented killing saving these kinds of things so that they could perform without needing to perform right, right? so the text was always produced by the actors and then there's a sort of test there if like you recognize the text as hamlet you get where you are Um, But our Hamlet, we started it a little bit earlier with a kind of representation of the slaying of old Hamlet. So that sort of happened live in front of everybody to give some context to the tragedy that follows, right? Um, You know, introduce audience Hamlet. Because that was the brave thing was having Hamlet be an audience member rather than uh, an actor. Um, Audience Hamlet sees a character that they like, this friendly actor that they've been introduced Hmm. to. Uh, slain removed from the show in front of them and then they're kind of encouraged to exact revenge for this and we try and steer them into the same sort of decisions hamlet makes but allow them to make their own choices and like imp through improv and, and stuff and that very first night and that very first run of that particular scenario um this extremely down-to-earth no-nonsense scottish dad just saved old hamlet just walked in and stopped it <laughs> like just stopped uh the slaying of Old Hamlet, which stops, which stops Hamlet in its tracks. <laughs> yeah. Like Denmark is fine.
1: <laughs>
0: there is something fine. In the <laughs> heart. And so we basically Oops. ended the show after fifteen minutes because that was the kind of the idea. The idea was it would run for twenty to forty minutes based on right how it went. Mm-hmm and so we just then you had to adjust the new minimum yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> that runs from 15 to 40 minutes
0: <laughs> right but it was like it was actually genuinely amazing because it was yeah, yeah, yeah. genuinely reactive but the it was I mean, as an amazing to watch from our point of view like just to see it kind of pan yeah. out that way and you've also seen it be a bigger clusterfuck than Hamlet ever was. Like everyone dies. <laughs> like um yeah. like everyone kills everyone else. Like um, but those... Uh, yeah, I, th- I guess, guess this I'm is different is, is because yeah.
2: you're you're working from a, a set where the entire chain of events is completely malleable. Right. And, and the that's interesting because you're essentially throwing this accepted fiction in the air and then catching the pieces as they land. Right. Whereas
0: like, the thing that he's talking about, I guess, in the question yeah, is... Yeah, like, the reason it doesn't work mm, is you because Hamlet isn't thing. about the ending. That's yeah. the point, right? Yeah. Like, and no story is about the ending. Story is about the choices that get made along the way. And then the mm. ending is judged based on whether it feels right mm. to those choices. And so you can do it, like... So you can do it two ways, I think. One way is you throw all the pieces in the air... And you see how they fall. And like, you know, with, with those scenarios, all we were trying to do really is what are the key verbs of this story? Yeah. And can we give a way of ritually performing those verbs? And then you just line them up. Mm -hmm. And then what are the themes and how do you embody them and through those actions? And then the other way of doing this is to set things up in advance. Like I was thinking about this just now, like I think the way to do an actual like tragedy game where the audience had meaningful choice or the player had meaningful choice over the unfolding of like a classical tragedy. Would be to front load the decisions. So it would be like programming, like, do you know like the gambit system from Final Fantasy or from right. Dragon Age, right? Where you program an AI for how to respond to a combat scenario, mm. right? You would have to play as old Hamlet's ghost. <laughs> <laughs> or, or whatever kind of divine figure appears to fuck up the protagonist in a tragedy, right? I'm gonna give you a vision and this vision is gonna fuck up your life because, or a prophecy or something, right? I, I'm gonna tell you that, you know, you won't die until like Burnham Wood marches for or whatever it is mm-hmm. and this is going to change your behavior in a particular way that leads to a complete fuck up because that's most how most tragedies work right and so the idea would be you program the ai of the protagonist through the construction of whatever your prophecy is and then you just watch the story unfold as they hit scenario after scenario <laughs> and, and behave in, according to the, the the edict you've given them and that would be your way of trying to steer them to like then the game would be, "Can you tell them something that gets them through this rather than something that leads to some like anagnorisis mm. at the end and, and yeah, yeah, like." Not to uh, uh,
3: pile it on, but uh, to be or not to be is a choosable path adventure by Ryan North <laughs> based on, on Hamlet. Oh, I'm worried. Which it. Uh, it is not only a book but also available on Steam. Uh, you can play it as a as a computer game, and it has 110 endings.
0: So there.
2: <laughs> well, well, well. I'm sure all 109 of them are as good as <laughs> so, we would have intended. Well, I'm
0: here and now announcing my Kickstarter for Hamlet Online. <laughs> <laughs> With a fucking end game that stretches <laughs> all sorts of raids. You can...
2: Ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. The ending where you take out Fortinbras with a gun.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. An interdimensional gun, yeah. which is also LF- a shotgun. LFG-4M Fortinbras <laughs> heroic mode. <laughs> uh, um, I, th- I would say on the subject of endings, one, one last thing. We're going to be... This is, I think, the only defense of the Deus Ex ending room you know, where you go into a big room. And the only reason I think this works, and I don't think it works, but if it, if <laughs> but it, did, if it did work, it would be for this reason. Um, <laughs> if I did it, here's how it happened. <laughs> yeah. It'd be, the reason that sort of works is, again, it maintains that thing of you win, but here's the ending. But also, I think game endings that have choice in them or have multiple endings work when they're more about letting the player choose what they thought the story was about than whether or not they succeeded or failed yeah so like what did you think this was really about was it about ridding the world of this kind of technology was it about controlling this technology was it about advancing this technology which is the deus Ex, the typical deus Ex trio really Mm. which is Hmm. um uh the same is true of the mass effect series actually yeah like um that's one of the reasons i think mass effect 3's ending was successful it just needed the unpacking that came when they added this later which was it ends with what did you think the solution was going to be and all of the answers you pick are a solution. And there are bad things that happen apart at the ending and things are lost, but that's because it's the ending of a fucking story and people couldn't handle that. Yeah. Because big babies. But, it's that big. Point. It's funny that Mass Effect 2 ends, I've never thought about this before, Mass Effect 2 ends with a huge baby, but Mass <laughs> Effect 3 yeah. ended with everyone being a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Like crowdsourced I was, the baby. Make, think. make you think. Mm. I was
3: gonna and also like the big baby at the end of Attic 2 was like crowdsourced from humans, right? <laughs> it was like yeah, they
0: captured all I, the humans this to make is incredible. the incredible big... has no one pointed this out. <laughs> that that game yeah. They melted all the humans to make a massive baby. <laughs> and at the end of the third game, all the humans melted mm. to become massive babies. <laughs> <laughs> incredible. I do think that uh <laughs> I,
3: I, Mass Effect, in general, was a good... uh So, throughout the whole series, I was never making choices to try and get a certain ending. I was never mm-hmm. making choices to try and get a certain romance. I was pretty much honestly answering the questions mm. that it raised, which is really rare and a, a great achievement. Like, it was... I think it had just... It, it built a kind of trust in me where it's just... If you navigate this in a way that you think is right, you will end up with a result that, that makes sense for you and it will be interesting in its own right. Whereas other games where... You know, if you don't say the right thing to this character at a certain time, they're just going to leave. Or if you didn't do this, if you didn't play in a certain play style, you're not going to get the good ending and there's just a bad ending. Um, that just sucks because then you're making your decisions based on that rather than based on what right. you want to do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, your choice of Larian as a studio whose games you play Divinity Original Sin 2's ending makes no fucking sense. Makes no fucking sense complete garbage
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry but, uh, is this it, like
3: it makes no sense if you do a certain thing or just always
2: I have no idea I mean because I I can only experience it from the perspective of my you know hundred hour playthrough which character did you? did you pick
3: like a story character were or you were a skeleton yeah. mm.
2: were you a skeleton or were you a lizard I was a dwarf I was a dwarf pirate you were the piratey dwarf yeah wow. the only person aye, aye, captain. <laughs> I should say because that's how, exactly how he talks. Um, I thought
4: you'd gone for the Lizard or Skellington. Everyone uh, I, went for the Lizard or Yeah,
2: I went for Lizard. <laughs> I was a Skellington. I banged the skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good. We never talked about it again,
4: though. <laughs> it was- Who needs endings when you had that line? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but then um, a whole bunch of nonsensical shit happened towards the end, and then there was a whole lot of exposition. Bad things that I didn't want to happen happened and then it, it, almost exactly the opposite choice of the thing that I had made, the choice that I'd made seemed to happen. I was like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> it was, it was poor, it was a poor. Uh, deus ex moment really <laughs> but it was it was like all loaded on the end and unfortunately mm. just great
4: great 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 great. oh no
2: yeah, yeah. well no not even that but it just like in in the way the deus ex is or, deus, or any of the deus ex is where it just seems to hang on your final decision a lot of that seemed to hang on your final decision but then yeah it just wasn't coherent even as a result anyway
0: yeah sorry it's bad that's, all right. no, that's all right. so the things you like are bad that's what I'm saying <laughs> Well, I mean, oh, what can you say to that? Other than, I'm just glad you managed to fuck a skeleton before everything went wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the journey, not the
3: destination. <laughs> <of> the <council>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the skeletons we boned along the way. Um, Gareth writes, Dear Creoles and Crawfish, in keeping with recent themes, I turn to you for your expertise in the sticky matter of outdated outerwear. After some long overdue weight loss, I'm about to break into a strata of t-shirts within my wardrobe that has not seen light of day for well over a decade. These archaic accoutrements feature such timely references as the cake is a lie and a scatological <laughs> parody of old iPod adverts. Many of these closing items have literally never been worn. Is
4: have that been, is that going to be
0: I iPoo? probably yes Mm. having been purchased in a haze of denial and seriously misplaced confidence that I would start losing weight quote unquote any day now my question to you is simple am I permitted to wear these near fossilized fashion items Almost, I consign myself to updating my wardrobe lest I face the scorn and ridicule of others I await your sage advice Gareth no (laughs) I mean if they make your body look good
2: and it sounds like your body already looks good I don't mm. know if the iPod (laughs) 1
3: is going to make the body look good (laughs) The yeah, iPod one is just going to raise questions about the character.
0: Yeah, fair point. So I reckon a lot of this stuff is cyclical, right? Like so things like my-
3: cake.
4: In the- I reckon I got another five years before gonna cake. Say ten. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm going to say
4: 150. <laughs> Martins is a thousand years. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Like
0: we used to a kind of cyclical pattern of pop culture where things like that will be kind of kitsch in 10 years or whatever, based on the kind of 20 year cycle that most of the things. I'm have seeing
4: a. a, a A very surprising kind of fashion on the streets at the moment, Christopher.
0: Alex. I went into
4: London the other day. Mm. I was surprised. What did you see? I just, I saw, I I didn't, I... I,
2: Beyond comprehension.
4: I saw (laughs) denim being used in ways that I didn't think I'd ever see again.
2: All memories in time
0: fade like tears in the rain. Anyway. Um... Yeah, I mean well the, the the phenomenon that you've identified there Alex is time and um and <laughs> children and the kids and what they're up to and how you feel about it. And the the thing I think that's interesting about time in this particular case and and the kids and what they're up to is that it's accelerating. Right? Like a couple of a while ago Uh, I was thinking about this while reading uh, James Davenport's review of Borderlands 3 for PC Gamer, where he pointed out that that game, his criticism of that game was rooted in the fact that its humor is in that kind of like, this meme's going to be around for ages kind of thing of the era these t-shirts are referring to, where people are making jokes about Portal for a good year after Portal comes out, because Portal's very funny. At the moment, the shelf life of a meme is about a day, (laughs) you know, like, these things are dying faster and faster, like... If you want to hit kids with a hot ironic reference right now, talk about Vine, a, a social media platform that is dead, but most of us probably think was recent. No, ancient history now, right? Mm. Like there's, this is increasingly difficult to do. Whether this means you should wear those t-shirts, the answer is obviously no. Um, I have recently, and I think I spoke about this on the podcast, uh, had the experience of two moving house having to go through every t-shirt i own and go do i really meaningfully ever intend to wear this and i found that quite a kind of uh, vindicating experience and i found myself now increasingly relieved to realize that at some point in the past i bought just like a gray (laughs) t-shirt or a a white Mm t-shirt because then you do not have to carry a brand with you at all times basically and also
4: you relieve yourself of any kind of decision making down the line oh yeah that's fine, still.
0: Yeah, things, yeah, those things remain fine forever. Like right now, I'm wearing a Dota t-shirt that is extremely <laughs> abstract, and I th- would not have known that was a Dota. Yeah, t-shirt. Yeah, I, I actually <laughs>
4: deciphered it sort of midway through the podcast. So
0: it's, it says Brooklyn Kurtz on it, and this is the the Chinese mistranslation of a Dota character's name. <laughs> fucking hell! Where, um, <laughs> the character clinks the Bone Fletcher. Was for some reason given the Chinese name Brooklyn, Brooklyn Kurtz. <laughs> <laughs> Brooklyn being
4: a, like,
0: a jungle in which. <laughs> so this one has survived because no one who, if anyone understands that, then I'm probably going to like be friends with them. Yeah. And if if no one understands it, then it's fine because it's just shapes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I think, I think that an ironic iPod or Apple yeah. You're really hung yeah, up on the wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> You're imagining it. And the cake one, even if it came back, I think it would be bad to have
3: It wasn't good at the t-shirt. time. Yeah. I don't think. Portal is a funny game, but that is not
0: the love yeah, totally right. line. This and it doesn't work out of context at yeah, all. Yeah. While we are in the business of bringing 2007 to account, which I think we've been for a while. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was 12 years ago, by the yeah. way.
4: 12 years. Oh,
0: my God. Uh, <laughs> it's, that is the least funny joke in Portal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just is. There are a lot of other jokes in portals that are way better than that one. That thing you
3: just burned was the catalytic cracking unit. It made shoes for orphans. <laughs> <laughs> nice job, hero.
1: So <laughs> That's what it says on your t-shirt.
0: <laughs> Finally, you can read it. Yeah, literally a t-shirt that said nice job, hero on it would be better than... Yeah. Yeah.
4: So,
2: get a new wardrobe.
0: Yeah. But congratulations on your... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: You know, um, I, I, I... Reward
3: I, yourself. If anything, um, look at these bad past t-shirts as a sign of your mental growth as
0: well as your physical growth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <this> is, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that we're saying this, and I feel like, I like that we went into the... I think it was appropriate that we went into the question about representing disability in games by saying that we in this room are not qualified to make these judgments. And yet somehow we felt qualified. That's <laughs> fashion advice. Well, that's because... <laughs> but that's because we have... We came those, to the right place, questioner. It's because we have
4: those t-shirts. <laughs> it's yeah, our world. Exactly. It's our fucking Alex,
0: world. Alex, speaking from the corner, in jeans and a sort of olive drab kind of t-shirt, I guess. It's a...
4: I, I am dressed well, you're
0: right. Yeah, I am in, a, in <laughs> jeans... And a Brooklyn Kurt 2 t shirt. Please don't describe me. Marsh. Marsh uh, uh, is wearing. A a pattern hoodie and a t shirt. Dunga- dungarees. On it. Red dungarees. And jeans. And Tom in jeans and a steam t shirt. <laughs> it's a cool very guys. comfortable t shirt.
4: Last time, last time he was wearing the steam t shirt, he was trying to argue that steam weren't bad. <laughs> Weird that. <laughs>
3: This was free by the way.
4: <laughs>
0: Nothing's free, Tom. <laughs> and that's all the questions we've got time for. I'm very sad to say, if you'd like to send us a question for a future episode of The Crate and Crowbar, you can email us, Marsh, lips off the that microphone. <laughs> <laughs> At questions at CraytonGrobot.com. I know it's Put been your dungarees up. I'm going to leave this house in a minute and then you can do what you like. <laughs> but while I'm here, I feel like I retain some kind of symbolic office power.
2: I'll respect that. I'll
0: respect that. Thank you. Questions at com. <laughs> Sorry. Bone it like a skeleton. Um, it's, you can tweet this, tweet her, tweet her tw- fucking hell. Creighton and crowbar, at Twitter. Dot- oh, fuck. <laughs> That's what I said last week as a joke. Twitter.com forward slash create crowbar. YouTube.com forward slash create crowbar is a different URL that will produce different results. Uh, thank you as ever to our Patreon supporters. Um, uh, without whom podcasts simply not do. Um, you can find out more information on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash crate and, uh, crowbar. And if you would like to, uh, find us on Twitter as individuals, you can do so if you must. I am on Twitter at C That's C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N.
4: I am at rotational.
3: I'm not doing his pen. <laughs> Tom I am at
2: Pentadact P-E-N-D-A-D-A-C-T And Marsh Davies That's the at the I'm at No <laughs> yes. less
0: Thank you And what do we say?
2: B-E-N-D-A-D-A-C-T <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm <and>